This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylock. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week we're sailing away. What? As we watch Spine 215 in the Criterion Collection, Roman Polanski's Knife in the Water from 1962. But first, let us uh, say hi and welcome back to uh, co-host regular... Mm-hmm. Frank Solano, sometimes Frank Santoro, mm-hmm. who joins us from a hotel room. How are you, Frank? I'm doing okay. I'm in a hotel all by my, by my onesie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. For <laughs> my lonesome. So no interruptions. Uh, we've had interruptions before, but not this time I made sure. <laughs> Some would say that's part of the charm of the creeps... Uh... The creeps experiences interruptions you know bowel movements f- frequent bathroom trips from hosts um, and sometimes even recipes sure sure whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. well this time we're not getting any brothers busting down doors so mm-hmm. at least from my end microwave you guys you never know what happens in this place my greatest fear is like you can see now frank how like in my little camera image y- you know how you can see my door Mm-hmm. My my greatest fear is that one time I'll be podcasting and a man will enter, and a naked me. man. <laughs> it'll be me. It'll be oh. Jared, even though I'm talking to him right here, clothed Jared, naked Jared will enter from this door, and I'll see it in my thing, and then I'll turn, and he won't be there. But I'll turn back, <laughs> and he's he's getting closer. This is the Skype movie that uh, Blumhouse wants us oh, to make. No, 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 they're too afraid to make. They're too afraid. Yeah. I know what it's going to be called. Because I think you guys mentioned the title before. There we go. That's Rape Ghost, isn't it? Rape oh, Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it'll star me, Jarrett, and uh, Emma Stone, apparently. I think that's what you said, right, Jarrett? I, I believe so. Yes. That's a, that's a deep cut from uh, Frank Santoro. By the way, I don't know what you prefer, <laughs> if it's Frank Solano or Frank Santoro, but uh, uh, I hope it's not inappropriate, but I think Frank Santoro is a good name. I don't mind. <laughs> have you actually I looked up? Don't know who that is. Have, you should uh, no. Google search him. You can look up Frank Santoro. He's a he's a, I, he's, a he's a cartoonist. I don't think so. I I yeah. want to be Frank Santoro, and okay. if I look him up, then I won't be. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I get that. I, I like that approach. Yeah, you I just like have that. to just start your own like comics residency in like an, an old brick house. You're good to go. Hmm. <laughs> so I'll so, give it a try, maybe. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, so everyone's doing good this week. A plus, Jarrett. What about a you guys? Uh, a, uh, I'm a solid B minus. Hmm. That's grading on a curve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Frank? How's life in the hotel? You eating uh, all sorts of room service, applesauce and pork chops and things of that nature? Uh, I wish. <laughs> I wish you had Arby's like last time, but that's not on room service. It was a that was quite the feat to pull off. I don't know about you, but uh, our Arby's is a little little ways from where I live, and uh, it was a uh, it was a little challenging to get that organized. Oh, wow did you did you manage to eat it all? Uh, through the course of the show, I think uh, I got like a couple bites done, and then as soon as Jarrett took over, I was like. Ugh. Mm. I just really went for it. <laughs> New yeah, animals. I, I don't remember making it past the 30-minute mark with all of my food on the table. So 
I think <laughs> I think uh, I was done way before the show was over. I think we can count that as a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, well, afterwards, after the show, maybe, maybe it was a loss, but <laughs> it usually is. Usually, usually. Well, you gents want to listen to the words of Creepdom? Possibly. Well, what do you what do you, what do you mean, Jared? Well, we got some emails. Females? Still no. Okay. We got two of them. We got two emails. Hmm. Uh, number one from one Rob Eagle. Oh my goodness. You got with, uh, a reckoning coming for you, Jarrett. With an email entitled Shenanigans. Oh, baby. I don't know if you're aware, Frank, but Jarrett uh, opened up a whole can of worms last week. I, uh, <laughs> I'm interested to see how this plays out. Wow. Rob writes, Hi, Creeps, and congratulations to Oliver for deservedly winning the Criterion Creeps t-shirt contest. Mm. I laughed when Jared called shenanigans on the voting. Mm. A couple of pals of mine moved to Italy several years ago and opened their own animal rescue sanctuary. They take <gasps> an abandoned and abused dogs, heal them, and oh. arrange adoptions all over Italy and Europe. Oh, my God. And then uh, he has some images of some of the work he has done, his photoshops. My modest contribution is artwork for their promotions, also amusing images of the volunteers, mostly based upon movies and pop culture references, to thank them for donating their time to keep the place running. Mm. Well, that's uh, one of the greatest things I ever heard. I had no idea that the fans and friends of the show out there were making the world a better place in such a way, Jared. Unlike you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you doing, Jared? What what am I doing? I don't know. I'm just For the world. With the world, I'm I'm creating content. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm sharing opinions about mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. which I like, I mean I think that there's not enough of that. You know, I think there's a real shortage of dudes on the internet mm-hmm. talking about movies. What kind of dudes? Um, like if you had to describe them, like in sexual preferences and skin color, what what would you say? <laughs> but every sentence has to start with mustachioed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, Rob continues, a couple of volunteers <laughs> mm-hmm. got wind of the contest and, lo and behold, supported my entry on Facebook with votes. Upon seeing the votes coming in, I immediately saw trouble ahead and expected calls for my impeachment. Mm-hmm. As soon as somebody spotted the long list of previously unheard of Italian names and called mm-hmm. shenanigans and foreign interference, I hate it mm-hmm. when I'm right. But it was all in good fun. And once again, congratulations to Oliver. Regards, Rob Eagle. Oh, Rob, we love you. He's don't a you, good... Don't you worry. Yeah, he's a good sport about it, at least. And I yeah. think uh, word of this animal sanctuary is uh, cleanses. It pardons all past sins. I think uh, we'll give him a pass. And uh, I, for one, was hoping he'd be a little harder on you, Jarrett. And, and the name of this uh, animal rescue is M&M's Half Way House Animal Rescue. And, and like, right, like the letters M and M? Yeah, M, uh, ampersand M. In uh, Creepsville, we have a uh, delicatessen called M&M Meats. Well, that would be weird if it was also an animal rescue. Yeah, don't confuse those. Don't. Oh, oh did he give the, uh, you're saying the name in case anyone wants to uh, donate? And, uh... That's right. Yeah, why not? I think that's a good cause. Absolutely. Mm. What do you think, Frank? Do you want definitely? 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're on the side good. of not eating dogs. That's good. Good. Yes. You know, well, I, I, I told I you guys this. before, right? Oh, I yeah. had my own rescue station here. Uh, well, not here, but in my neighborhood where I was kidnapping other people's dogs and oh, then yeah, releasing them yeah, into you're, the... w- w- I think we call that vigilanteism in Creepsville, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like the the practice is questionable. The sentiment, I, I, I think I understand what you mean. Um, I can't fully endorse your behavior, Frank, but I'm glad that you're doing something for what you feel is right. Well, I think as long as the dogs accept me, then, then it should be fine. Mm. We have the neighbor's dog takes care of our house more than theirs which is kind of sad to to yeah. think about but you know what it's a uh, it's well learned i think i saved him <laughs> yeah. yeah i agree i think you did i don't even thing. know his name actually the dog <laughs> yeah you maybe you talk to him he'll tell you what his name is and then that'll be something special between you and him i'll see what i can do good <laughs> need Jared? a translator what? Mm-hmm. What? What are I don't know. You just said just, my name out loud. I'm just getting you involved. Okay. Yeah. Next and final email from Justin mm-hmm. Peterson with an Ooh. email entitled, Now for a Taste of Something Completely Different. Ooh. Hey, creeps, what's happening? So after coming up on a year of writing you guys every week, my ideas for movie questions have begun to wear thin. So it is mm. time to get creative. I have attached Uh-oh. two pictures of my desk at work with several movie-related decorations, including a meme I made to remind myself to keep my work simple, featuring Charlie Chaplin, and most recently, a Rocky Art card. I also have a few movie quotes, and let's see if RJ can guess what films they are from. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? Sure. I mean, Frank, you can do this, too. I've got the answers here. How many are uh, there? Okay. Let's How many see. are there? Um, uh, five. Okay, I'll do one, and then Frank can do one. We'll go back and forth. Okay. Or ahem. just in general, whatever. Ahem, ahem. You know we're sitting on four million pounds of fuel, one nuclear weapon, and a thing that has 270,000 moving parts built by the lowest bidder. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? The Adams Family from uh, the 90s, starring Raul Yulia. Yeah, and uh, Frank, if you have an answer, you can chime in. Um, I don't have an answer. I think I think Adam's family too. Wow. Yeah. Well, you were correct Two in that the, fir- the the first letter of this movie is an A, but the rest of it is Armageddon, as it is mm. Armageddon. <laughs> so, That's a- I, was, I was thinking, uh, what's it called? That Stanley Kubrick movie. Um. Dr. Strangelove for a second. There you go. Well, I, I can see a lot of people confuse Armageddon and Dr. Strangelove because they're they're pretty much equal par. The filmmaking. They're both satires, aren't they? Sure. Sure. What else you got over there, J-Dog? Well, I've got uh, number two, but these go to 11. Well, that's Spinal Tarp, surely. Um, right, yes. Sure? Yes. Yes. Mm. The answer mm-hmm. is indeed spinal tarp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. What else? Um, I don't know about this one. Uh, I this is this is a toughie. For, I would never know. Okay. Number three, it's good to be the king. King Kong. Uh, Frank, do you have any? Uh, King Kong, two thousand five. Okay. Mm, Peter good Jackson. Um, 
Good Every, guess. All wrong, and I would have been mm. too. The answer is History <laughs> of the World Part 1, the the mm. Mel Brooks movie. Uh, have either of you seen this movie? Nope. Nope. Nope, me neither. <laughs> well, you, you, you got us. I got you good. Number four, yeah, you betcha. Oh, oh, is that a Coen Brothers film? Uh, yeah, yeah, it might there be out there at the lake. Uh, is it Burn After Reading? <laughs> Frank, do you have any? Uh, I'm going Fargo. Yes. <laughs> the answer is Fargo. Uh, Fargo. Dang. I almost huh. had it. <laughs> Number five. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. There we go. <laughs> mm, that is Armageddon, isn't it? <laughs> That's yes, uh, yes, RJ. Also, Armageddon here. Arm- yeah, here we now. We have uh, answer Doctor Strange Love, aka Armageddon. Actually, so Armageddon. Actually, that's the full title. Yeah, right? it's they're both movies about guys who who ride bombs to destroy something, right? Exactly. Basically, the same movie. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so that's it for the questions. Okay. Uh, nice. And then uh, Justin asks, "What movie-related decorations do you have at your work desk?" Uh, I don't have a desk. This is true. So nothing. But uh, in my home office, I have a Godzilla and a Swamp Thing. Yeah. And a flying saucer alien uh, that's a whistle thing I got from Burger King in the 90s. You blow into it, like, whoo, and then it spins on its own. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm just looking at uh, Justin's work desk. He's got a Spider-Man. He has a printout of Steve Buscemi as the astronaut with the quote. Mm. Uh, Mm. And he's got some some sports memorabilia, like a Viking. And... Uh, a boar? A lion boar? Well, uh, a lion boar? Is it a razorback, Jarrett? It could very well be a razorback. Oh, yeah. See, I, I think I saw. But uh, also maybe a little Minnesota Vikings. Am I right? I think I've seen him in one of those jerseys before. I bet. Yeah. What about you, Frank? You got any memorabilia on your work desk, wherever that might be? Um, well, I'm currently out of work, so they took my desk away, but same uh i think i had a, a drawing of hellboy i did but that was i don't i, don't, I wouldn't <laughs> consider it movie memorabilia more like trying to imitation mike mignola work well, here, i think here, that counts here, here, here's a, a personal intimate question what do you have as your desktop currently Ooh. who's going first you go, hit it frank <laughs> me yeah uh totoro actually my neighbor totoro there you go. Nice. What about you, J Bones? I have unending grayness. It's just gray, the color gray. Yep. We you should very... have left yours for last. Are you Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. It's, it's just the color gray. Yeah. Why? <laughs> it's so it's easier to see files. It's very practical. What? Yeah. Fucking animal! Well, um, you, you didn't you didn't ask what sort of movie decorations I have at my work desk. Well, you just bummed us all out with that your grayscale life. RJ's been in my office before, and you've seen the uh, the movie prints I've got, the poster art. Uh, I have, but maybe you can enlighten the listeners out there because I don't think many of them have been in your office, unless 
Unless no, something is, else is going on. This is true. Uh-huh. Uh, what do I got? I got a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've got a mm-hmm. Videodrome. I've got mm-hmm. a, ha- a Halloween 3. Ooh. The Thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Dawn of the Dead. Uh, of the Dead. You have a Dawn of the Dead. Don't you have um, a Japanese movie too? Well, I have um, a postcard from Criterion for Hasu. Mm, that, that's uh, what it is. That uh, old uh, previous co-host, one-time co-host, Evan, gave me when he went on his sojourn trip to uh, New York mm. to go see uh, Inherent Vice. It's big if true. It's pretty big. So wait, at the Inherent Vice premiere, the Criterion Collection gave out how Sue posters? No, he uh, when he was going to see the movie, he also stopped at the Criterion office. Oh, gotcha. This Did he put a good word in for us? We didn't exist yet. Damn. Almost had him. Almost. <laughs> oh well. And what what do you what's your desktop there, Baylaw? Uh you've seen it before. It's a black and white picture I took uh from Frank Slide. What? In Crow's Nest Pass, Alberta. You ever heard of Frank Slide, Frank Santoro? Um <laughs> I mean, I think it's named after me, but I otherwise haven't wow. seen it. See, well, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think Frank Slide's even a better name for instead of Frank Santoro. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll take anything. I'll take anything. <laughs> the the original anything you can throw at me. Boy, the original Big Ride Boy can take whatever name he wants. You're probably a big Slide Boy, no? Yeah, slip I and slide. Did you ever have that huge slide where you re- went down on like a potato sack? For little kids? One time. One time, yeah. The inflatable? Right. Yeah. 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 All right, so we got the big, big slide boy, uh, Frank Slide over there. Actually, Frank, it's pretty interesting. There's this mountain pass where we live, and uh, an entire town, uh, the mountain side crumbled on it, and it uh, killed like, what, like 80 people or something? It didn't kill the entire town. That's a misconception. Mm-hmm. Something like eighty people. A, a, t- a town called Frank. Town called Frank. It uh, and now it's called Frank Slide. Mm-hmm. You just have to die. You just have to die to get something named after you. Oh, is that all it takes? <laughs> That's all it takes. Well, that uh, Art Baylog Paps Blue Ribbon's going to be coming no time then. That's right. So anyways, that's my picture, Jared. Hey, here's a even more personal one for you. Is your I know you don't have a cell phone, but you have an iPod. What's your iPod background, Jared? Um, well, I don't have a, a background, but when I uh, click the power button, it is mm-hmm. the cat. The cat warlock. <laughs> mm-hmm. As I expected. My phone is uh, also a picture of my cats. What about you, Frank? Do you have a phone or an iPod or anything of that nature? Um, On my phone, I have... A uh, poster of Cowboy Bebop. There <laughs> nice. you go. That 1990s hit anime. Yeah. Nice. I thought both of you guys would have uh, nudies for uh, <laughs> your pictures. Like one of a really thin uh, John Voight, and then one of a really thin Dustin Hoffman. Oh, well, don't worry. I had I had a few. It's just uh, mm-hmm. after uh, getting called to the front office at, at work a few times, I, I had to, you know, I keep. I, I had a sharing problem at the time. Yep. <laughs> you gotta be careful with those nudies. I tell Jared all the time. He's always sending me his nudies, and I'm like, "Bro, watch out." No more. No more. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, was that it from a friend uh, of the show, Justin? He, well, he's, he's he's got his goat movie question of the week. What's your nice. greatest of all time '70s movie? 
Off the top of my head, I would have Ooh. to stick with a clockwork orange, Justin says. And he says, I know the deadline is coming up, so I better get this sent. Have a great show. Thanks, Justin. 70s Thanks, all-time Justin. movie? Uh, let's put Frank on the spot for once. Oh, no. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, see, see, that's how I feel. Okay, let's go to my highest-rated 70s film, Jarrett. Hmm, I don't want to say Alien. I don't want to say One Flew or the Cuckoo's Nest. Hey, what about The Exorcist? That's a pretty good 70s film. Ooh, I got one. Mirror, Tarkovsky. <laughs> ah, interesting. Good pick. Hmm. I, I, I think I'd have to go with Salo, RJ. Ugh. <laughs> Jarrett. Not even Martin? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Well, there's so many. Like That's like one of the best decades of movies. That's true. Um, I, I think Network doesn't get enough love. Sure. If you sure. say so. Net, network's awesome. Like, there's some the all-time Deadpool. bangers. So, oh, actually, Barry and... Uh, Linden. A- a- apropos, maybe, for the uh, the episode, maybe I'll throw out Chinatown. Why? Big, big uh, R. Polanski all over that bad boy. Who's that? Uh, we'll find out. Okay. Okay. I thought you'd say uh, Texas Chainsaw, like uh, your buddy Bong Joon-ho when he said he was going to take a Texas Chainsaw and split up the award. Mm. No? Cool. I don't know. <laughs> okay, sure. Nice. Sure, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Any uh, other comments, Mr. Uh, Frank Slide, the Frank Santoro, the big ride boy himself? Mm. Shout out to Aguirre Wrath of God. <laughs> there you go. And the ascent. There, there are too many movies from this decade. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's an, an incredible decade of time. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, next up. <gasps> hey, RJ. What? What you been creeping on this week? That's it for emails. That's it for emails. Only two. Mm. Well, I feel well, for, like well, we've... Fra- Frank's Short... here, so he didn't write. And, That's uh, true. I don't know. That's it. I feel like we're a short change in uh, Frank Santoro here with the lack of emails. Well, that's uh, the, we'll hold our uh, audience to account. Mm, well, maybe they, uh, maybe people, I don't know. Maybe people don't know. Whatever. Hey, Jared, what do you want to hear about? Um, movies? Sure. <laughs> hey, sure. I, w- I watched that uh, Best Picture winner, Parasite. Wow. You ever heard of Parasite, Jared? I'm making f- spooky hand gestures. Uh, it's 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 a really great manga. Parasite. Yeah. Who who made that? A guy. It's about uh, alien parasites that are like that tr- take over part of your body. What about social economical parasites? Mm, no one like you mean like uh, capitalists. Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, Frank, have you seen Parasite, the Best Picture winner? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yep, so yep. I, can, I, I, I guess I was the only one who hadn't. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, we uh, Andrew was uh, interested because of the Oscar buzz, like you do, and uh, we rented this bad boy, Jared. Oh. Rented it. Mm-hmm. Using my scene points. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> huge. They come in huge. The only I- issue I have is I have to hook up my laptop and HDMI cord it because there's no Cineplex app. And, like, this – I'm going off on a tangent here, but, like, you know what really grinds my gears, Jared? There's no thing I can just rent movies on, and it really fu- it 
fucking annoys me. Like, I wish Amazon Prime just had a feature where it's like rent this movie and like to pay huh. for it. I'll I'll pay for it. There's just nothing out there. That's weird. The only thing I've found is Cineplex. But huh. I have to hook up my computer, you know? Yeah, that's weird. Probably I, Apple movies, maybe, or Apple TV or whatever, but I don't have Apple TV, so it's questionable. Son of a bitch. So Yeah, see, I've yeah. got you thinking. Anyways, yeah, so Parasite, uh, you guys know what that movie is about, right? Yeah. Poor people, rich people, mm-hmm. parasitic people. They, they, they clash. I didn't realize that uh, much like Uncut Gems, uh, this year's movie's theme was rocks. Because uh, there's a pretty prominent sedimentary rock featured in this movie. And I was like, ooh, shit. I like that. Did yeah. you guys notice that big rock? I, yeah. <laughs> and I wondered, what's up with the big rock? Well, it's got layers, Jared. It's like an onion. Oh. Well, I don't know big if you know rock. about... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Onion rock. Well, after years of pressure, Jared, there's a compaction. And sedimentary rock has those layers. It's called stratification. Yep. Are you interested? Nope. Well, I believe that's got something to do with the socioeconomical status. And hitting people over the head with it? Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I watched Parasite. It's good. Uh, it's real good. I like it. Um, I'm not going to pretend that uh, I know all the fine points to this thing. I think that you could uh, overanalyze and pick it apart a lot. I feel like a lot of people are doing that and are probably wrong. In hmm. uh, in their attempts, like I don't think it's overly complicated. I feel like Bong Joon Ho was like, "This is what I want to say," and I feel like people take more out of that. Does that make sense? I no. I just see I have not seen people actually talking about this in any really thoughtful way. They just say no? that man, this movie's it's got so many layers. It really deals with class, mm-hmm. but then that then the conversation stops, and then they stop talking about it. And then they say, wow, we all agree that it's about something. But they never really go beyond that. They, they seem okay. to say, they seem like, yeah, so I don't know. I don't see the people. I, I mean, I haven't gone out of my way to track it down because yeah. I think it's, I mean, it seems self-evident what the movie's yeah. about. So I don't know. It's, but yeah, like I said, my my qualms with the movie were just that. I was I was led to believe that this was like this next coming of cinema kind of moment, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. it's, and people love it universally. And I was just like, yeah, it's good, but that's about yep. it. Yeah, no, I uh, I fall. Which again, for people who don't speak Jarrett, Jarrett Jarrett liked Parasite. Yeah, he did. I did. He's just uh, Jarrett's very cold on movies, and that's no mark against movie. He doesn't mean he didn't like it. He liked it. <laughs> uh, well, so that you you bring up a good point. I haven't looked out things like looked out for people either i'm not like trying to find like hyper analytical uh interpretations of this thing i just feel like if they're out there and if they're not they're coming eventually people will try to yes someone will make a like entry-level college film studies class about parasite or something and it's like (laughs) eh. i i feel like that's more than you want anyways uh i liked it a lot i think it's um it's a. Uh, it's got a lot of the good marks of just a well put together movie in the sense that, like all the filmmaking stuff is really good, but I think it's got moments of like comedy, and it's got a little horror in there, which is nice. It's got something to say. It's got all the like drama, romance. It's all there, Jarrett. It's all there. So I think it's a well rounded movie in that respect. Um, 
but no, yeah, I I liked it, man. It was good stuff. I like those three doggos in this movie. They were pretty nice. And uh, I'm happy to say that none of those doggos were hurt or injured in the making of this movie. Although one that one maid lady did kick that dog, which I didn't really like. So, you know, what are you going to do? But I'm kicking stuff right now. Uh, anyways, uh, what about you, Frank? What's uh, What are your thoughts on Parasite? I think mine are pretty much the same as Jared's. Mm. <laughs> to be honest, this is the first yeah. time... Yeah. Siding with Jarrett here. Oh, wow. Frank yeah. Santoro, bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it has something to do with uh, just yeah, people's expectations, uh, yeah. the way they talk about the movie. Yeah. The I'm glad machine? I watched it before the Oscars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it got to me this time. But uh, I'm glad I watched it before the Oscars because if I'd watched it after the Oscars, I think I might have been even more let down by the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas before the Oscars, like, uh, I mean, I liked it again, the same mm-hmm. as a chair. I like the movie. It's, yep. it's really well made and everything, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about though. Yeah. The way that people are interpreting it and, and, mm-hmm. you know, quotation marks, cause it's, it's all out there already in the movie. It's not, right. it's, it's kind of superficial. It feels, you know, so it's, I, uh, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. There's something about that, how people think that they're being so smart. Every time they say, oh, it's about class, but yes, that's what it's about. <laughs> I, I also think it's just like a fancy remake of People Under the Stairs. Like, that's all that's all it is, right, Jared? That's, that's all it is. That's all it is. No, I, I'm with you completely. Like, that's what I mean, too. Like, uh, I think people are probably over analytical about it. I think he was just like, hey, you know, it'd be cool. If uh, a family just like went into a house and there's people under the stairs and then, you know, what else? I think that's all it is, you know? Um, I think it, it also has something to do with it, like that kind of reaction being here in the States only. Because, I mean, if like if you've seen enough Korean cinema, then like the idea of the plot twists and mm-hmm. like most of the stuff that makes it over here, uh, Park Chan-wook's films, stuff like that, you kind of get a feel for what those kind of Korean films are like. So it's not as, you know, shocking as it might be, if you, like, as if you've never seen a South Korean film. Right, right. What about a North yeah. Korean film? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure everybody would be shocked by one of those. Well, there, <laughs> everyone should watch, uh, is it Paul Gasari, their Godzilla movie from the Is 80s? that North Korean? Yeah. Wow. Yep. I, Paul, I'm into that. Yeah, I think that's what, yeah, Paul Gasari from 1985 uh, directed by kidnapped South Korean director Shin Sang Ok. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Do you have a copy of it, Jarrett? I have a I have a source. Okay, you uh, give it to me, and I'll add it to the cop pile of movies of yours I've borrowed and don't watch. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> but, we'll see. Uh, but anyways, well, what, I, what do you guys think of uh, Bong's movies in general? I like Snowpiercer. Yeah, I see, think that's the only other one I've seen. Oh, you've never seen The Host? Nope. Okay. I, have I actually, I have to rewatch The Host. I remember watching it as a kid. I don't know why my dad decided to take that to the house of all the movies. I, I've said before on the podcast, he's a Superman beats up the bad guys kind of guy. So right. he usually sticks to like just straight action. For yep. whatever reason, he chose uh, The Host that one time that uh, he rented a movie. And I remember like the scenes, watching it as a kid because it terrified me. <laughs> Right. You know, the monster and everything swallowing up people. Uh, but I don't know. It, 
it still feels very fresh in my mind, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll still have to give it a rewatch. And then uh, Memories of Murder, which I watched, I think, when I heard Parasite was announced. Yeah. I'm not sure. I have to recheck, but yeah, Memories of Murder is amazing. <laughs> It's pretty it's, good. Yeah, it's been a really long time since I've seen it now, I guess. I have a DVD of it kicking around, and I know uh, Criterion announced that they are putting it out uh, yeah, at some I point. Yeah, I got fucked over by Criterion again. Oh, no. I ordered that $50 Korean Blu-ray, and, and then they mm. announce, uh, <laughs> they announce a, a Criterion release. Oh, sons <sighs> of bitches. Son of a bitch. They always get me. It's always me. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't fall for Parasite this time. Mm. Since there was already a Blu-ray, I, I waited, so that's good. <laughs> what were you saying? Self-restraint. I was gonna say, do what I do, and just don't buy anything. And yeah, then, that, dude, mm. that's that's a very good strategy. Yeah, and Little then you're never yeah. disappointed. But uh, what was I gonna say? No, yeah, I like Snowpiercer, Jared. Cool. And apparently, uh, so I have a friend who's a high school art teacher, and mm-hmm. apparently there was this kid who came in, and every day all he wanted to do was talk about Snowpiercer, and like that's all he did for like mm-hmm. half a year was just draw Snowpiercer. And my friend, he said one day he had to go and talk to him. He's like, "Hey, man, there's more than Snowpiercer. You gotta have it." So it's changing lives, Jarrett. Wow, huge, right? Huge, but. And, uh, the last thing I'll say is um, maybe uh, maybe the hype machine does need to die with the Criterion creeps, like Justin Peterson said, because uh, then people get overhyped on movies and then they're disappointed. But when there's no hype, mm-hmm. sometimes you come away the winner. Well, yeah, maybe we just all need to just stop talking about movies. We'll just stop <laughs> podcasting and we'll go back to like, uh-huh. you know, we'll go but to our... Jared, what will you have to offer the world? I, uh, that's what I mean. It's, it's I have nothing. I have nothing to offer. That that's that's the real thing. I have nothing. So so RJ, tell me about uh, Battle Royale. Well, do you know about Kinji Fukasaku? Uh, who doesn't? Well, yeah. Who doesn't? Uh, so last night, I don't really know why. Last night this morning, I uh, I was looking at this stack of movies that Jared Duncan went me, and I was like, when am I ever gonna watch these fucking things? And there's then lot, I was like, I've, "There's a lot of people in my life that say that." When it, when am I gonna watch this thing? Yeah, or movies from Jarrett? Exactly. How many movies do you have lent out right now? Oh, I don't know. He's lost track. Many, <laughs> many. Okay, let's. Yeah, we'll say many. Okay, so anyways, I saw Battle Royale and I was like, "Hey, that's Japanese. That's close to Korea. Let's throw that on." That's a good way to think, right, Jarrett? Yep. So I threw that on, and uh, I've heard about Battle Royale quite a bit. Like, I know what the idea is and all that stuff, so I uh, I didn't go in completely fresh, and I watched that son of a bitch, and I was like, ooh, uh, I like this. And then in the one of the trailers before, it was like, from the people who brought you uh, Ninja Scroll, and I was like, holy shit. I was like, is this made from the people from Ninja Scroll? It was for something else. But right. uh, anyways, it got me primed uh all i can say is i think this movie is a as someone who has attempted to be an educator at some level of some discipline i feel like this is the way of the future for schooling and education in general what do you guys think um i I, I think Mm -hmm. i need to hear more uh proof of your concept here well jared i don't know if you know this but people are bad and the world's a bad place okay go on and uh, maybe if we had a battle royale island, uh, things would be better. Huh. 
I'd have a more strict vetting process. Uh, it seems like it's somewhat random in Battle Royale. Allegedly. I mean, I'm Allegedly. Sure, I mean, there is like a system in place to eliminate people when the system doesn't want those people around anymore. Right. I mean, if it was, if I was in charge, it would just be you and me on the island. Oh, I see. And you know, you know how that would go. Well, we team up. Sure. Who else would be there? Frank Santoro, Oliver Granger, George Scott Bailey, first time, long time, Colin Richards, uh, friend of the show, Justin Peterson, Sugarhead, Lithuanian, George Hoshminer, uh, Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi, Corpse, Rob Eagle, Axiom um, Jackson Maximus, Axiom Jackson Maximus. He hasn't written it in Clarify a Steve Buscemi at current age. Current age, Steve Buscemi. Yes. Steve Buscemi at 20 years old. Both mm-hmm. versions. Um, at seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Uh, all four <laughs> of them. Uh, what about you, Jared? Any? Did I miss anyone? Probably. Probably. What about, well, so are you sparing Rupa? Well, Rupa hasn't written in a long time. We've had emails, but not from many females. So. What about Big Josh? Big Josh? Well, Big Josh is a hell of a guy. I, I wish him all the best in his uh, current endeavors, if he's listening. And if he's not, I still wish him well. How's uh, that? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Aaron Lane? There's, there's so many. <laughs> there's all so many. Who knows, who, gotta, who, who, knows I, who's, who we've uh, neglected in this random name-off? Okay, well, what I'll try to do now is... Well, well, so how was, Battle, how, how was Battle Royale? You liked, you liked, you liked it? It holds up. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I uh, I like the blood splurts. Um, uh, I like I I like the idea first and foremost. I just think it's cool. When I was watching, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's what I want. Uh, because I don't know, I'm a bad guy or whatever. Um, it's cool. Good idea. It's got nice kills. It doesn't bullshit. It doesn't waste your time. It just gets right into it. Boy eight dead. Thirty four to go. Boy 12 or girl 12 dead 34 uh, 33 to go and you're like yeah moves along really good clip um uh the only thing i wish uh and this is a little unfair because i know this movie's 20 years old so i think at the time it was like it satisfied it i kind of wish there was more to the violence and brute like because the blood splurts are so over the top, I kind of wish there was more of that in other ways. But I guess maybe then it would have been too much. I don't know. That's my own little thing that I'm dealing with. I'm going through some stuff. So uh, I wish there was a little bit more. But, you know, it's good. It's a good show. I like Battle Royale. You, you want to check out that novel? No. Okay. But I've read <laughs> I've read the comic book Deadly Class. That's basically Battle Royale, no? Yeah. The other, I mean, you've also watched uh, Lord of the Flies. I have, I have. Well, see, I like that thought because I like they're like, yeah, Lord of the Flies is good, but what if what if everyone killed each other all the time from the start? Right. That's even better. Just so I think uh, yeah. a cool take on the idea. I think there's this anime called Assassination Classroom, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. All the That's kids right. try to kill the teacher instead of the mm-hmm. teacher getting all the kids killed. <laughs> well, I mean that one's a little too real. <laughs> but anyways yeah battle royale is real good so i don't know if you guys have anything to add uh it's good yeah uh, I've, se- I've seen it a couple times you've got my mm-hmm. copy and uh, sure do yeah it's uh <laughs> it, it's, it's a it's a it's a good piece of uh japanese exploitation movie making mm-hmm. uh, quick question so every time that rj really likes one of these uh jared borrowed movies do they ever ever come back to 
uh, your way, Jarrett. <laughs> I could lie and say no, but they do. I have always returned. I, I have yet to not return a movie of Jarrett's that uh, hasn't been watched. Right, Jarrett? That's right. Though there, there mm-hmm. was some like but... mystery about Santa Sangre. No, I just I it it didn't make it in the one drop. I just forgot it, and then I brought it back on the next <laughs> drop. Right? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Well, anyways, I always return them. Some of them might be broken. Some of them are burnt discs that are laid in there for you to discover years from now. Uh, but you know, whatever. You won't see me ever again. So it's, it's true. True. <laughs> nice. Well, well, that's uh, it for me. All right, Frank. What have you got for us? What have you been creeping on this week? Mm, a few things here and there. Uh, a few Criterion picks. A few rewatches. Oh, I know re-watches. that uh, re- recently, uh, listener Colin Richards mentioned that like he wishes he could like just watch as many movies as you've been downing lately. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm surprised people notice how I go from watching maybe 15 movies a month to all of a sudden this 70 movie influx. Just <laughs> clogging up the pipes. Uh, I don't know. I think it has something to do with uh, quitting a job or something. Yeah, that, maybe that, that that would definitely do it. <laughs> I, might do I don't it. know. There's there's these like sudden adrenaline rushes where I just have to have to watch, and so I can like pile up four or five movies a day. And then there's days where I don't want to watch anything, and I yep. hate the world, and I play video games or draw or play my ukulele. <laughs> nice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you uh you ever heard that CD from Eddie Vedder ukulele songs? Mm, I'll have to I'll have to search it up. You You're check making it out. eyebrows eyebrows are going up and down, so I'll check it out. Yeah, check it out, man. <laughs> that's, it's that's good. what sells. That's what sells eyebrows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I guess I'll talk about rewatches. Uh, The Exorcist is uh, a second time watch. The mm original exorcist mm-hmm. i don't yep. know I, it's one of those movies where my mom kind of forced us to look away anytime the poster was up anywhere or like if we <laughs> saw the dvd in the public library we just had to you know get pushed past it because <laughs> mm-hmm. to her that movie uh was it in the words of billy graham there's a demon inside of the what's it, of the film the oh. actual <laughs> okay the actual film itself it's a neat yeah. idea <laughs> and so as i was watching it I was, I was thinking about all this past history i think i think that's what kind of attracts me more to the movie than the movie itself because i i'm okay on the movie i i'm thinking i'm a little colder this time this rewatch uh, just because a few story beats but i think it all has to do with it just being so like popular at this point uh, in time right whereas i feel like i would have enjoyed it a lot more if i'd watched it in the 70s where people were fainting in the <laughs> when people were passing out in the you know they had ambulances waiting for people outside <laughs> people can't breathe i think i would have enjoyed it a lot more than, than now where people just say it's scary and then i i watch it and i kind of laugh at the girl's voice or oh <laughs> Yeah, but I, I I don't think it's the movie's fault at all. I think it just has to do with me being born so much later and uh, just having seen so many movies inspired by it that I just watch it more as a like uh, see it more as kind of a, a 
how would I say? I guess just that as an inspiration. So it's not really a source itself, like a film itself. It's more like just inspiration for other. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sounds like you do. I don't know. Makes sense <laughs> to me, man. Well, I know with like uh, the, the last time I watched Exorcist, I, I, I'm always blown away by how smooth the movie is. Like, I mm-hmm. remember watching it and being like, oh, how long have I been watching this? And it was like an hour and a half that I had just watched this. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, movie, I never watch movies and get like this swept away in the action where it's just like effortless to, effortlessly easy to watch. And I think that's sometimes like the best uh, thing with like really well made mainstream movies like The Exorcist is, is it just mm-hmm. like every, everything just kind of makes sense and it just like scene after scene after scene and it flows and you're just like wow like i can't i can't believe movies can be like this especially when you watch like a lot of like b movie action movie pieces of shit like i do and inflict upon myself then you throw the exorcist on you go oh right movies are good (laughs) like i forgot (laughs) i think yeah i think that has something to do with it as well i i try to watch the mostly uh critically acclaimed films I try to stay away from the lesser movies just because if, you know, like I'll see the letterbox reviews from you guys and from a few of our friends. And if they don't like it, if you guys don't like it, I'm not even going to try it. Yeah. So I think, what was that? Oh, I was going to say, if you're only sticking with the critically acclaimed, you should watch Exorcist 2. Give no. that a whirl. No. <laughs> don't. I'm not falling for that. I no. checked it out. <laughs> I checked out the the letterbox page and uh, no, no, no. That, that, maybe that's... the the third movie. Yeah, Exorcist Three is actually pretty pretty good. It, it ha- it I'll has tell legit... you why. One of the best jump scares of all time is in Exorcist mm-hmm. Three, and it, it'll get you. <laughs> I feel like what's that? Uh, that Dark Knight is the one that always gets me. That one random jump scare in Dark Knight. <sighs> what's it where the body comes and hits the window of of the guy the Joker killed? Oh, uh, not... when. The mayor is ta- or the police commissioner is talking, and he goes to the window mm-hmm. and the body slam. Yeah, it's, yeah, the, the mayor. It's the mayor. Yeah, yeah. That that scene always gets me, and and I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's spooky. I know it's there. <laughs> well, uh, regarding Exorcist and why I would watch Exorcist three, I think it, what you're saying about pacing, it has a really good pace, and actually, that's something that Parasite has too. Now that we mentioned it before. Uh, the pacing is, is so fast and it just like it's it's always flowing and it feels natural. Right. Uh, but even so, I think because what I know and what I imagine the Exorcist movie to be is always the scenes of like the, the girl uh, possessed. So all the build up towards it just kind of I kind of zone out. I think mm-hmm. that's my my biggest like uh, issue with it. Other than the scenes with the. Uh, uh, what's his name? Father Karras? 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 Is that his name? Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, with mm-hmm. uh, with the priest who's who's kind of lost his motivation. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I'm checking on the name just to make sure I'm saying it right. Oh, an exorcist? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Father Karras. Yes. Okay. Nice. Jason Miller's character. Because... Mm-hmm. Me personally, being from an uh, evangelical background, I think a lot of that uh, loss of faith stuff really hits me hard. So I was really interested in his character. And any time it would kind of go back to uh, Linda uh, Linda Blair and, and her mom and Ellen Burstyn's scenes, it would kind of just 
slow it down for me. But other, mm-hmm. if it hadn't, if I hadn't seen it, knowing about all the Exorcist makeup and the the craft of like the horror scenes, then I think it would have been perfect, honestly. So I can't even blame the movie for that. I think it all just has to do with the amount of time it's been out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever watch any of those making ofs for? Uh... Isn't there like six or twelve making of the exorcists? Uh, probably. I know there's a <laughs> there's a podcast they did that was like a th- super Ooh. thorough making of exorcist. And I thought mm-hmm. there was something else recently too. They were talking about how uh, I guess like Stacy Keach was supposed to play um, mm-hmm. the the Jason Miller character, Father Damien Karras. But mm-hmm. yeah, but I guess Karras. Uh, or I guess Jason Miller auditions out of the blue. He like flew himself out there because he's like, I am Karis. And then he did it and uh, William Freakin was convinced and it's like, okay, I get, you are. And then I guess mm-hmm. uh, Stacey Keach just got paid in any way. So he didn't have to, mm-hmm. do, fucking, he didn't have to do fucking anything. <laughs> hey, you know, I... the best kind of job. Hey, pretty much. It's pretty good. I don't know if you know this, Frank, but uh, at first... Stacy Keach was supposed to be Jared's co-host and uh I didn't like I didn't want to do it but uh one time I walked I just ran into Stacy Keach and he he talked me into it so it's just how it goes that's movie magic <sighs> mhm that's how the sausage is made so he he didn't propose an idea of a of a, a three-way here he he proposed that you take over well I didn't say that <laughs> I didn't say anything like that. So, uh, where did he go then? Uh, I'd rather not say. Okay. He's in that uh, dark mm-hmm. door frame behind RJ. Oh, walking in naked? Yeah. <laughs> With that long hair from... Uh... For everybody at home, RJ actually turns around every time he talks about the door. I'm legitimately scared of that. Now I think Stacy Keach with that long hair from Body Bags is going to come in here. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's good hair, though, right? It's not too bad. I'm going to look up that image while you guys keep talking. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I noticed also, Frank, you watched Pain and Glory mm-hmm. from your boy. Pedro. My, uh, oh, yes. My number one pick for movie of uh, 2019. Really? I've seen so many. Yep. I've, seen a, I've seen a lot of mixed reactions on this movie. It seems like people either really do like it. Or they're really cold. I've seen some people actually like hate on this, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it can't be that bad. <laughs> like, I just can't imagine it being like a horrible movie. I I think I know why it is, but I I can't speak for everybody, of course. I think it has something to do with uh, the language barrier, always, because a lot of the reviews I've seen, a majority of the people are are you know American English speakers uh, on Letterboxd at least, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, don't I, I, I mean, there's a few exceptions, obviously. I, I think our friend uh, Will Higdon, he, he's pretty, pretty... Uh, he yeah, had a warm reception yeah, to yeah, the yeah, movie. He's, yeah, he looks like he's a fan. But uh, yeah, no, actually, on the whole, my the people I do follow are pretty positive on it. There's a couple of, mm-hmm. like, two stars in there, but which is, again, surprising. But sometimes movies aren't for everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it has something to do with the language, honestly, because... Uh, Speaking, you know, I'm a Spanish speaker myself, and there's always differences, you know, in uh, different. It's like in English, there's different accents wherever you go, and so there's something about the the Spanish uh, accent, the Spanish accent, <laughs> the, the Spanglish. I think in in <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Adam Sandler. 
In uh, in Spanish, it's called Castellano, mm. and uh, it's you know the the derivative of Spain, and I think their Spanish is a lot more, uh, it's a lot more closer to to the original Latin, and so mm. I think there's something about that that kind of blocks people off just because it it comes from like the original source of Spanish, right? And how do I explain? It's I don't know. It's like uh, it's harder for people who don't have that kind of uh, background already. You know, English comes from a whole different source. So the fact that uh, Castellano Spanish comes from the original source of Spanish kind of might be even like uh, another barrier after it already being in a different language. I don't know. That's the way I've kind of taken to it. <laughs> huh. the, the idea of why there might be some uh, mediocre reception to it or... I don't know. I think I think language has something to do with it. Also, because it's, it's kind of... It's pretty tame for a Pedro Almodovar film. Uh, okay. I think if people had seen his work... That's another thing. A lot of these Leatherboxd reviewers, it might have been their first film with Almodovar. Mm. So they might have been expecting something else entirely. Uh Again, my first one was the skin right? I live in. Yeah. <laughs> so my so, expectations yeah. are up here. Well, it's actually interesting. Like, uh, this actually just came up uh, this past week. A friend of mine, Corey, he, uh, I mean, he's like a pretty like watched man. He's watched a lot of movies. And he was like, I've, I've never watched an Almodovar movie ever. Like not one. And because like, but then of course I realized like I've only seen talk to her in the skin I live in. And that's mm-hmm. it. But I do own All About My Mother and Volver. And uh, I think I actually do have a uh, woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Or no, uh, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down I got because it was like $10 for some reason, like from an mm-hmm. Amazon glitch. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the more uh, you, you like dive into his work, the more uh, you'll be able to find and appreciate it. I think, again, there's something about... Uh, the language of, but that's the thing. I think his films are more, uh, they're easier to, to kind of enter because he's always been pretty inclusive. I was watching, a uh, an interview he did, uh, for pain and glory. And he, he talks about how he's always tried to make his characters, whether they be, uh, you know, gay or, or trans or whatever. He tries to, to make them part of the world and not like, outsiders inside of the world how how they're kind of portrayed in other films he always just try to make tries to make it uh like you know they're normal people like they are in real life they're there so yeah, they're human beings yeah yeah so that kind of inclusivity i think has opened a lot of doors for him around the world but yeah people just don't check out his work i, I don't see a lot of people watching spanish movies and even for me like it's been hard to, to find movies from spain that that kind of uh intrigue me because a lot of the stuff that's coming from their like modern their modern works are they just they kind of look like the rest of uh, you know they look like the the regular stuff coming from America or so the few Spanish Spanish movies that I've seen uh, there there's two from the 70s that, that had a big impact uh, yeah, around the world and then the Almodovar's work. Are, are mainly the ones I've seen, but you guys, uh, you guys managed to check out the skin I live in, and, and Jerry, you yeah. checked out Talk to Her, which yeah. I actually think are kind of his, his kind of lesser works compared to the other ones. 
but again, like it's all, I think that's up to taste. Uh, mm. Really, with with the skin I live in, he was kind of checking out a new a new kind of uh, genre for him because yeah, he has kind of done stuff like like the, the ideas are are similar, but it's in the whole direction. Like you know, he took it in, into the horror uh, ambience, so it's pretty different for what from what he's done before. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's this first movie that I've always wanted to watch that I haven't seen. I think it was on Criterion, like, briefly, but uh, Matador, which, which yeah. I think is his uh, first um, feature film. I think, no, his first his first movie, he talked about it in the interview. Okay. Uh, well, his first two were kind of like pop modern 70s films, and then he made Dark Habits, okay. which is, I think... But Matador, yeah, it comes from the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Matador is about, yeah, there's Pepe Lucci Born, or Bomb. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, of, that's... And that's 80, and then Labyrinth of Passions, 82, then Dark Habits, What mm-hmm. Have I Done to Deserve This? Uh, and yeah. then Matador's 86. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So it'd be his fifth, fifth film? Yeah. Sixth? Yeah, fifth. Yeah, th- but I think that's his first time working with... Uh, Antonio, isn't that, it? Oh, that's why. There's some sort of okay. first, maybe. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I've seen 44 yeah. films produced in Spain, and I think my favorite one's got to be Sexy Beast <laughs> or Kroll from 1983. You seen Kroll, Frank? <laughs> you should check out Kroll. You can no. keep talking about what you were going to talk before I brought up Kroll and Sexy Beast. That works too, but... Uh, <laughs> Cause, um, cause so, so Pain oh. and Glory is kind of like an eight and a half movie, right? Like it's kind of, like, that's how I remember it being kind of uh, marketed, marketed a little bit. Yeah, it it does have to do a lot with cinema, but I feel like it's more personal to Almodovar himself. It's it's kind of autobiographical, and at the same time, it isn't. There's a lot of interviews uh, that he's done, and, and Antonio has talked about it a lot. Uh, I don't know. It, it just when I watched it, I, I like a lot of. Uh, I, I tend to gravitate towards the more personal films of directors. So, like, for me, uh, in the case of Tarkovsky, that's why Mirror is my favorite. It's because it, it has a lot of influence from his own memories, his own childhood, his uh, his mother's in the film. And then uh, in the film of uh, 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 Hayao Miyazaki, uh, Howl's Moving Castle, he said that's his most personally uh, preferred film. It's his most personal film. And mm-hmm. even before I knew that, I'd kind of gravitated towards it. Right. Uh, as my favorite. I know you guys have said it's <laughs> Howl's? You don't no. understand the I yeah. think I, no, I think I like Howl's. I, <laughs> I, I would have to I yeah. believe. I think it's actually no, it's the um Kiki's delivery service is the one that I'm more indifferent to than a lot of people. Yeah, that one I it's understandable. It's <laughs> I, um Yeah. What what did I yeah, give but, Howl's? I give I gave that Howl's four stars. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, you guys. Uh, when you guys are, uh, what was it uh, the the one star people at the end of the show? I think anytime they have the house moving castle and their top favorites, that's when it kind of becomes a point of uh no. You guys don't. <laughs> well, I mean, as a fan of the show, you know, I listen and uh, <laughs> I don't know. For house house moving it might have just been your characters talking, so. <laughs> Uh, no, I think you I guys like... have never said anything bad about it. I think it's just that people that th- those one star people on on good movies are the ones that always have it in the in their four favorites. How's it with Endgame? Castle? And yeah, it's weird. Really? 
Well, yeah. maybe. Probably. I As soon as I'm done this show, like each podcast episode, I check out completely. I don't even know what Jarrett was talking about. I, I try to push it out of my mind. So It's, it's true. Your uh, your your take would be better than mine. I liked House Moving Castle though. I own it, baby, and I don't own anything. <laughs> it's true. No, so I I should get a House Moving Castle poster if I get a chance before I I go over to Costa Rica. Um, for for but, the right Patreon bucks, I can draw one. Oh yeah. Ooh. How much? How much are we talking? Easy. You, you, you're doing the eyebrows and you're selling it. Like a year's <laughs> do salary? That. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Keep going. I, I keep distracting you. Tell me um, more about movies and stuff. Well, I guess since Exorcist, you guys have seen it, we didn't really go into the story. Just like a brief summary um, about Pain and Glory. It's, it's about this director. Uh, he's had to retire because he's had a lot of ailments. He had a back surgery that has left him partially immobile in his, in his back. And I think in his lower back specifically, and uh, and it kind of follows him as he as he tries to reconnect with people from his people from his past at the same time that he's kind of trying to like kind of reconcile, but at the same time just observe uh, memories of 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 his childhood, memories with his mother, memories of of the little town they lived in, um, and. At the same, t- so it kind of cuts back and forth uh, between him and the present as he's trying to uh, he's trying to regain a, a friendship with an actor he had a falling out with for a movie they had done 30 years ago, and now they're uh, going to present it uh, a restoration of, of the print, and they want the, uh, to do a Q and A. So the director's trying to trying to uh, find a way to to uh, to kind of rem. Not remedy. What's the word? To to mend the the relationship because they'd had a, a falling out over the way the character was portrayed in, in his film, and so it kind of it kind of follows that as well as as his childhood memories with his mother, where his mother is, uh, she's kind of a, a she's one of those people like things will happen and she's kind of never optimistic, so that kind of lack of optimism. Uh, in the in his childhood, kind of hurts him later on in life, and I don't know. So there's something about the the combination of of memory and and present time that really like uh, calls my attention because it's something that I I appreciate a lot, and that's something that you know if I ever get the chance to do a film, like that's the kind of stuff that I'd like to do because there's something about. Uh, the familiarity of, of childhood, whether it's yours or somebody else's on screen, that you kind of see things that that you kind of identify with that have either formed you or helped to like uh, make you grow as a person. Mm. I think I think it's one of the most therapeutic, and I think uh, well, therapeutic types of, of filmmaking, and at the same time, one of the most therapeutic kinds of uh, film in watching. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Do I know? <laughs> I, I'm with you, man. Uh, me and Jared are frequently reenacting things from our childhood. <laughs> Off air, of course. Lots of hate. Mm. It's a lot of Jared yelling, telling me that I'm a bad kid, you know. But uh, whatever. No, I'm with you, man. I I, I agree with you, and it's. Uh, I can only hope that in 
the time that whenever you do make that film that's very personal and about your childhood, uh, there is a podcast portion where <laughs> where you listen to it and you idolize them and you're like, wow, they're so cool. And then you grow up and you're like, oh, my God. And you see them and you come to our houses and we're in a tank top that's ripped open. We got beans all over our shirts and our skin and just sad, miserable people. And you're like, oh, and then you grow because you're like. I thought they were something, and look at them now. <laughs> you know? What kind of beans, though? Because the beans, uh, I need details for, for the well, film. I, I'll flip that over to Jared, because frequently I'll text Jared. I, this isn't even a joke. I'll text Jared, and I'll be like, what are you doing? He'll be like, I just ate some beans for lunch. And I'll be like, okay. So uh, what kind of beans do you eat, Jared, when you eat a can of beans for lunch? Uh, it's like, historically speaking, it would be like a can of like British style beans that I throw some uh, HP sauce in, microwave it up. Okay, wait, wait, wait. You put the HP sauce into the beans. Yeah. Do the beans not come in sauce already? They're not like pork well, br- br- beans. That's, that's why I get lob. See, I don't, see, I don't like that flavor. I much prefer the HP sauce. Yeah. So I, I love this flavor of HP. So British style beans, it's like nothing. It's just juice. Mm-hmm. Like it's goopy juice. You, you get rid of that shit, and then you just mm-hmm. throw that that mm-hmm. sweet tangy. Uh, HP in there, microwave it, mm-hmm. and that's pretty mm-hmm. not, not too bad. You eat the whole can of beans? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, so like sometimes I'll tell people about the things I eat, and then they, I feel like they react poorly. Like, you know, Itchy Band, like Frank, uh, I think in the States it's just ramen, like, you know, instant noodles, like the mm-hmm. like 40 cent instant noodles. You like put in the microwave, you eat that. I once had a conversation with my lovely wife about how, uh, in my younger, more hungry days, when I was playing sports all the time and I was real hungry, I would throw two packs in there and I would eat two packs of Itchy Ban ramen noodles. Uh, and she was mortified because apparently in her house, they would have like four people eating one pack of that ramen noodle. And what? I was like, one pack? I was like, that's not enough. It, for, uh, it's, for, uh, it's four servings per pack. Well... I mean that might be the case, but uh, when is it, when is a serving? I, I believe uh, a serving a ketchup is like a teaspoon or something like that. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I have ketchup with my burgers, when I dunk my burgers in a ketchup, I think I'm putting down at least a cup, just straight dunking all the time. Anyways, the reason I brought it up was because sometimes I think that a normal amount, like I'd be like, yeah, I can eat a can of beans, and then people would be like, that's too much beans, and I'd be like, is it? Is that too much beans? What do you think, Jared? Is that too much beans? No, there's no such thing. Okay, good to know. <laughs> good to know. What were we talking about? Uh, beans? Yeah, and, and movies sometimes. <laughs> oh, beans okay. and memories. Oh, yeah. Beans and memories. Well, I mean, memories all these also, all these movies, your parasites about class and your mm. your your pain and your, your loss and your glories, they're all like, oh, that's all well and good about memory. Uh, but let me tell you a little bit about a movie called Project Shadow Chaser 2 Night Siege. Okay, wait a minute. Was there a Project Shadow Chaser 1? Which I talked about last week. Was that the one where the man had no idea about engineering or was it architecture? Ar- architect. He was, he, yeah, he was the football player okay. who was unfrozen and then he was fighting okay. an android. Yes. Now you see, you're all caught up. I, I, I'm aware. And it's a diehard knockoff. So. Sure. Uh, Frank, have you listened to last week's episode? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So, if you, you all, all both remember that uh, mm-hmm. that movie was not very good. So this mm-hmm. one's a step up. 
toward like hmm. like not not horrible but that's i mean that's all you can really hope for when you make something right yeah for it so, to be called not horrible so project shout chaser kind of takes place in the near future it has like one scene with like a map painting of a city and that's it everything else is very contemporary and the president mm-hmm. shows up and the president gets killed but it turns out he's a life model decoy just like out of a nick fury comic uh, but that that, is, that doesn't that's neither here nor there because in this movie it's almost like they just took another script and mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with the previous movie like absolutely nothing in fact it takes place in the past they have mm-hmm. an android played by the same guy okay. uh, Frank Zagrafino whatever his name Frank is Frank Santoro did you say uh, Zagrafino okay let's, sorry let's, yeah who looks a lot Continue. like the pro wrestler Sting. Uh, and he has uh, die-hearted by hijacking a nuclear power plant. In what? To what end? To like shoot missiles at stuff. And there, there's okay. no ra- there's no ransom. It's just like he's he's a bad guy and he's gone crazy because okay. he's a crazy android robot. Uh, he this movie's got lots of squibs, lots of uh, people just having just giant geysers of blood exploding left and right. That was pretty awesome. That, I was very impressed with the squib action. Okay. Uh, there's the the foxy uh, nuclear scientist woman. She has a, a teenage son who likes to go hitchhiking, and he catches a ride with the drunken janitor who is also a washed-up baseball player. So mm-hmm. not to be confused with the washed-up football player who was wrongfully convicted of uh, murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but So he's a buffoon. And uh, likes to okay. like check out her ass, say nice ass, and then she then he loses his yeah. job. And then <gasps> when he's like kind of like put out by this, he turns to uh, the, the security guard at the nuclear plant. It's like I don't know, you know, women. <laughs> so he's mm. like he's like working at the nuclear power plant, working on wires and stuff. The terrorists mm-hmm. show up, they mow a whole bunch of people down. But soon enough, it's this guy, foxy scientist, and her son that are all that are left that stand between us. And the terrorists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, there's people getting mm-hmm. punched in the dick. There's a couple times. What actually. kind of punch? Kind of like up up punches from the ground. Uppercut. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind not kind of. I mean, when I think of uppercut, I think of like a standing uppercut. These are like from mm-hmm. the ground, so it's like yeah, same mm-hmm. thing. There's got to be a better word for it. But anywho, okay. so mm-hmm. Night Continue. Siege. Uh, yeah, this was just fine kind of piece of crap shitima mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. i but I, I kind of have like i can't believe the gall of this movie calling itself project shadow chaser 2 when it has nothing to do with the previous film like nothing other than the elite actor um and then there's a there's a project shadow chaser 3000 Ooh. which is in space i believe that sounds cool should i watch that this week do you think yeah what else are you going to be doing exactly uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal that it's not related because like Lord of the Rings 2 and Lord of the Rings 1 didn't have anything. There was no common themes or overlapping story or anything there. So True. it's and I mean, one of them won an Oscar, right? The third one. So no big deal. Uh, did this one have an equally interesting like read on Letterboxd for synopsis or was that just uh, the first one? Oh, let's take a look. Just out of curiosity well, if see, he's improved his architecture skills or not well this he's his, he's not an architect he's just uh, a janitor so um mm. tagline part man part machine pure killer 
terrorists mm. led by an android take over a nuclear plant and threaten to launch a missile at Washington. While the authorities desperately attempt to negotiate, the terrorists pursue their real goal. A plant worker, her son, and a tough guy repairman have other ideas and attempt to stop the terrorists from inside the plant. See, I said it mm. all. I laid it all out. Wait, thing that so janitor or repairman? He's like both. Like there's like times where they call him a janitor, but he's also repairing things. Like he, I don't know. He's just like around doing like doing those, what have those you. Those are two distinct uh, distinct jobs there. But he's doing both. <laughs> So he might be doing both, but he also might be doing nothing. Right. That's what I'm getting. He, from he this. might not. Even, well, he does. He, mm-hmm. he got fired from his job. Oh, so he's definitely be doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, mm. so so Project Shadow Chaser Three. Uh, it has been 25 years since the ore spaceship Siberia was last heard from. Unfortunately, it is now on mm. a collision course with the communication station Comstat 5, which is orbiting Mars. After one successful maneuver to avoid the Siberia, it rams Comstat 5, and the crew soon finds that the Siberia crew is dead and the reason that it has been missing for 25 years. But that reason is trying to destroy them all as it destroyed the Siberia crew. And look at that. Frank Zagarino is in the movie, and I'm sure he is a psychotic android once again. He just He's like a bad penny. He just keeps turning up. Mm. Well, Frank Zagarino, can you comment on this? Because this is your new name. I've ditched the Santoro and the slide. Uh, Frank Zagarino, how, what, what was it like filming these movies? Was it tough? Mm, I don't recall. Mostly uh, copious amounts of cocaine, I mm. think, oh, I believe. Yeah. I was yeah. told it was cocaine, but I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Who Couldn't knows? Yeah. Who, who knows? <laughs> who knows who fathered those children? We'll never know. I mean, oh. what, what year was it made? Uh, Night Siege. It yeah. was. Let's take a gander here. Nineteen ninety four. What mm. was the drug of choice that year? Meth. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a designer drug. One of those like clubs that, that all the club kids are on. Yeah, ecstasy. <laughs> for sure. For but sure. it is a, a, a shit movie, right? It's a B movie. So it couldn't yeah, be. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's de- mm. Well, I mean... I mean that's that's where the that's where the money goes into the budget. Oh, so the other the other thing that's I know true. with this with uh, old Project Shadow Chaser two, it has one of the most. Uh, it actually has a a reference to a Criterion film, like mm. in, in the most the most blatant homage slash ripoffs I've seen in a long time. Uh, there's a scene where the the nuclear nuclear scientist lady she is in complete darkness, and one of the uh, terrorist guys he puts night vision goggles on. And he's watching her kind of being scared in a dark room, looking around. Oh, oh, and he's like mm. laughing at her. And then he like reaches his hand toward her to mock her. And I'm like, wow. So this is like, you know, three years after Silence of the Lambs. And this movie's just assuming mm. that you won't know that, maybe, or it doesn't care. There you have it. Stunned silence. Stunned. <laughs> What's better, though, uh, Shadow Piercer 2 or Parasite? Shadow Piercer Two, wow, tough but fair. Shadow Piercer Two is not a is movie. That, what are you talking about? <laughs> Shadow Piercer. That's what I'm talking about over here. Is it Shadow Piercer? No. That'd be a better title. What was the movie you're Shadow talking about? Shadow Chaser. 
Same thing. Same thing. It's same almost difference. the same thing. It's about class. It's about, Is it about cla- class systems. Yeah, it has a lot to say about class. Wow. So, nice. well, so while watching Night Siege, uh, mm-hmm. my buddies and I, we were like, "Man, you know what this reminds me of? Universal Soldier, and mm-hmm. like and other like like early '90s action fare, like uh, Under Siege." And mm-hmm. uh, we were thinking like, "Oh," and then all of a sudden, it's like, "Let's watch fucking Universal Soldier," and so we did. And so, so uh, have you? Have either of you seen Universal Soldier? Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, of course. We're all bid. <laughs> we're all children of Roland Emmerich and his influence on the world. Mm-hmm. So, Universal Soldier. Uh, I haven't seen this since VHS in 1995, I would guess. And going into this movie, I had all these high hopes that this movie was going to be like the answer to Terminator 2 and how awesome that movie is. This movie's like it has to be better. It's mm-hmm. it's it's going to be new. It's going to be cool. It's going to like fucking. It's going to be amazing. But uh, it's not. It's it's really uh, no. Uh, one fun fact was uh, there's like I don't know if you remember there's like the big truck that's being driven around where all the uh, the Unisols are being uh, trucked about in their uh, fr- frozen state while they get brought sure. mission to mission. So that mm-hmm. the actual truck that they build off of that is the exact same truck that is used during the the infamous chase of uh terminator 2 same one so that seemed familiar uh a a recap of the plot so the movie opens up in vietnam Mm -hmm. uh john claude van damme he's a soldier an american soldier with that big old belgian accent of his and uh he's like comes across a village bunch of dead people with ears cut off he finds dolph lundgren who's gone crazy uh, mm-hmm. And he's he's cutting off people's ears, making necklaces, saying he can't hear you anymore, <laughs> and I'm all ears for the rest mm. of the movie. Nice. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme takes some umbrage with the way he's treating poor, innocent people, and they both kill each other. And then their bodies are swept away to a research facility where they're re- resurrected using like mm. magical green juice, like something out of Reanimator. And uh, now they're going to be ultimate soldiers, universal mm-hmm. soldiers that go around mm-hmm. and, like, they're better than regular people. They're already dead, so you don't have to, like, worry about them dying. But they're also going to be tougher. John claude Van Damme has some some uh, nom flashbacks, as you do, mm-hmm. and realizes that uh, his, his partner, uh, they're on a team of, like, six, uh, joined by uh, Zeus, Tony Lister Jr., uh, from No Holds Barred fame and WrestleMania fame. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he remembers Dolph Lundgren's a bad dude, and Dolph Lundgren's character, he starts going bad again, and uh, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a big chase, there's some naked Jean-Claude Van Damme butt, and uh, some underbutt, him walking around in woolly socks. What? Woolly socks. Okay. And, sure. yeah, so it's a good time. Makes mm-hmm. no sense. Uh, pretty forgettable stuff. I think there's a reason why no one talks about Universal Soldier these days. Except for weirdos sitting around on a Saturday night watching Night Siege, Project Shadow Chaser 2. But there is a one thing that I found interesting with Universal Soldier at this time was uh the how the movie Logan, I think, takes a a, a big piece of the climax of the movie and brings it to Logan. Mm. Where uh, when Logan's on that farm fighting the uh Shadow mm. Logan, it's just like Universal Soldier times. Hmm. Is that accurate or are you just making stuff up i feel it's accurate that's all that matters because no no one's going to be able to question you nope 
<laughs> so farms and shredders and yeah yeah mm-hmm. might be on there something there buddy not too bad not too bad if i don't say so so myself and i do Sh- say so shameful yeah shameful so yeah that was it for me in movie mm. land um okay we, we got any news i've got i've got those uh may 2020 criterion releases Ooh, frank do you have any news over there um, I Hot think I'll stuff. let the, the Criterion news uh, come out first. So we'll listen to that first. You right. listen to that first? Okay. I will too, okay. I guess. What do we got here? <laughs> well, we've got Scorsese shorts, uh, a collection of, about what here we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight Martin Scorsese short films all in one place. For okay. the for the Scorsese completionist, this is mm-hmm. great. Perfection. Will you either of you be interested in this? Nope. <laughs> nope. I don't know. What about you, Frank? Are you into this? Mm-mm. They're they're all online. <laughs> then it's settled. Criterion's a little slow on this one. You can watch mm-hmm. all this stuff. I think probably for free on YouTube or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I guess like yeah, whatever. I mean, for forty bucks, uh, probably a hard pass for me. But I will have to watch it one day, RJ. That's the thing. No matter what we think, we have to watch Not him. true. That's so long from now. Like, I've said many times, and people think I'm joking. I'll be dead in 10 years. 100%. So, will get to you. Something will happen. Something will happen. Well, Stacey Keish is going to get you. Jarrett will, Jarrett will be uh, <laughs> recording with a can of beans. <laughs> it's just the and sound Stacey of the, the, and the clinking. Uh-huh. Stacey Keish just rubbing beans into his hair. <laughs> he knows he's always looking for guys who can't handle their brown we've That's got deep we've, cut what we got J- john cassavetti's husbands i like john cassavetti's there you go do you like husbands sometimes the ones we, i've met we have dance girl dance from director dorothy arzner oh sure of course well it's from 1940 oh, it's, it's a good vintage it's about time. Come on, Lucille Ball. Oh, for, yeah. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Uh-huh. Hey, RJ, uh, do you know about a movie called The Great Escape? No. What's that? It's a that... movie with Steve McQueen that's mm-hmm. a lot like Grand Illusion. Mm, Chicken Run? Yeah, kind of. Well, that's coming it's to Criterion. Chicken Run is? Great Escape. Man, that'd be sick if Chicken Run came. Or any of those like claymation things like uh, Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> so did they get the rights to that thing or like what happened? Yeah, I guess so. Unless they decided to go rogue and start putting out movies they don't have rights to. Why not? I think that'd be funny. Why not? You know, why not? Why not? Hey, did you know that Paul Dano makes movies? Uh, yes, I did. Did you know that? I did not, because but now I do because this movie Wildlife of his has been picked up and is being released uh, by the Criterion. Well, you might not know. I know Frank would know because Frank is a listener of the podcast, but I believe mm-hmm. I talked about this Wildlife maybe five, six months ago on the podcast. I, I don't recall that at all. Really? Do you recall, Frank, when I was talking of Wildlife on the podcast? Yes, sir. Yeah. See, there you go, Jared. Frank. I don't. You don't sound confident of that. You done. I you done played confident. it yourself. 
Here, let me check this out. When did I uh, log this? Let's go. Well, it wasn't that long ago. It was within the last calendar year. Wildlife logged. I gave it three and a half stars. May 7th, 2019. So do you feel tricked that now you have to watch this movie again, even when you're dead? Mm. No, I think I'm fine. Oh, you know what it was, Jarrett? It was during Tro May, I believe. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I don't remember anything about that. Yeah, month. <laughs> that month is a kind of a blur so that's I'm sorry why. that when i watch 60 lloyd kaufman movies i don't remember the paul dano movie the one i talked about during the one episode that we were trying to recover from the mistakes that we've made yeah that's that, all that's just right down the trauma toilet <sighs> shameful. shameful oh well oh and look at this uh last thing uh this looks like it's a re-release no Nope. Eric Romer's six moral tales. Why not seven? Seven Why, minutes. Exactly. Ass. What a he failed. He didn't go all the way. I've heard of Claire's knee. And like her, her literal knee, like K N E E. K N E E. Was that? Did she move her knee or something? Or I, what? I, I I have never seen it. And then there's La Le Collectionus. Uh yeah. My okay. night at mods. Who doesn't remember Mind Edit Mods? These are some of Frank's favorite movies, I'm pretty sure. From Crazy. what I've heard. That's wild. What timing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. that's so that that's Huge. it that's that's it for the May releases. Uh mm. n- nothing nothing jumping out at me. That, like mm. uh, husband, sure. I mean I still have to watch my the rest of my Cassavetti's box set. So uh well that's coming up within the next year, is it not? I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. We got any news we want to talk about then? Or should we uh, jump into that water? I have one thing, but uh, okay. Frank, you got any news first? Well, I've heard word that they canceled uh, Juan Carwai's Amazon series and they delayed his movie, uh, the movie on account of the coronavirus oh, really? uh, situation <laughs> over in, uh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> uh, it hurts. It hurts so much. <laughs> Well, I mean, it could be worse. Yeah. I have no follow-up <laughs> to that. I'm just, I'm just, I got nothing else to add to that, but that's a, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much longer I can I can last without a Wong Kar Wai. Though, uh, now that the restorations of, of his previous films are coming out, maybe I might be able to get it, check it out when they come to the States, but I doubt it. They never right. give anything good here in Athens. Always no. in Atlanta. I don't like Atlanta. <laughs> it's pretty similar to what we go through all, all the time. Nothing really good happens out here, hey, Jer? Nope. Well, that's a bummer. You know what else is a bummer? Ben Affleck's an alcoholic. He had a lot of Still? statements this week. Well, he was talking about Batman and people took it one way. We killed Coffin Joe, apparently, today, like a couple hours ago. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And then, uh, hey... Jared, I feel kind of vindicated here. Uh, you heard of this new Netflix movie called Horse Girl, starring Alison Brie? No. Directed by, apparently, I believe, and let me let me just check to make sure. I believe it is directed by the Duplass brothers. Oh. Oh, no, wait. Jeff Baina. Okay. So it's directed by a guy named Jeff Baina, but I think the Duplasses are... The pro- yeah, okay, they both produced it. So I heard, Jared, 
And there is a very descriptive Reddit post about this, about uh, how this movie is a blatant plagiarized ripoff from a movie that came out two years ago, independent film that premiered at a few festivals. And if you go to a Reddit under movies, there's someone, and the director actually commented on it, but it was all removed. Uh, they did a shot-for-shot shot comparison of the movies, and it, it sounds, it's it's like a complete ripoff. Uh, so everyone was blaming Alison Brie and the director, but uh, I also feel like the Duplass brothers have some uh, some of the blame here. And uh, you know what? Maybe they shouldn't have been talking about Big Daddy Mel and uh, talking about how they they don't want to see his movies anymore, because guess what? You know what people hate way more than anti-Semitic people? Hmm is cheaters and plagiarizers. <laughs> I'm just going out on a limb here and just, I'm just going to say that. So anyways, uh, even regardless of the Mel Gibson connection, uh, it sounded like it was big news, but it's getting, trying to get swept under the rug. Well, I mean, it's like big news about Mel Gibson being at a hockey game yesterday. Well, it was Canadian. No. That, yeah. It was a Senator's game. I didn't know who that guy was, but friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, told me that he is one of the most universally disliked uh, team owners of the NHL. So oh. there you go. There you, there, you, there you go again. Anyways, Frank, are you going to watch Horse Girl or maybe you'll watch this movie that uh, it ripped off? Mm, no. <laughs> Just no in general? No. <laughs> no. Nice. Terrific. I like that. <laughs> what about you, Jer? Are you going to do any of those things that I just said? Mm, I'm right there with Frank, actually. I'm on Team Frank. Just no all around? I don't know. Yeah, not, not big no or little no, just no. I don't I don't know. No. Yeah, well, the, the movie in question was called The God Inside My Ear, if anyone's interested. Oh. Both of those titles are terrible, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, you got any horse squirrels out in your your town? Because we got a few up here. Oh man, they're everywhere here. Mhm. Mhm. Lots of horse squirrels. There's this one house, uh, like close to the the entrance to my neighborhood, and sometimes they have a horse in their front lawn, but I don't know if it belongs to them. Huh. <laughs> well, if, I guess if it doesn't belong to them, I guess they should be concerned and like maybe trying to maybe move that horse along because horses yeah. make a lot of uh a lot of shit allegedly yeah. i haven't seen it seen it in a while though so uh i don't know maybe they, they did do something to it hmm. though that could be bad because the last time i saw it was uh during the winter so you know people get hungry around that time yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right boys uh. i think it's i think it's time that we move along okay after the break, kind of like with Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, RJ and I are picking up a hitchhiker. And then uh, we're going to teach him how to be a man. Why do you say it like that? I don't know. That's like the movie, isn't it? Frank, I don't know if you know what's going on here. Jared's got no pants on. It's it's a bad deal. That's okay. I came prepared. I don't have my pants on either. Huh? <laughs> Join us, RJ. <laughs> Someone coming in my in my doorway here? <laughs>
This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Knife in the Water from 1962, directed by Roman Polanski, and we're joined by co-creep regular Frank Solano. Hi, Frank. What's up? You could call me a, a full... I'm a, I'm a host now, right? Co- right? Well, we're, we're all co in the life of, of podcastum, I guess. We're all friends in the and, and I, I haven't even I haven't even speci- I haven't even mentioned this on the show yet is that uh, Frank is also the supplier of our very uh, fancy uh, intro and outro graphic on our YouTube uh, episodes as of two now three episodes ago. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, remember that. <laughs> Jared didn't even tell me. I just went on one day to like the episodes because I always do. Because you know, I I like the content we create, and why shouldn't I like it? So I went on there to like one of the episodes, and I was like, "Whoa, what's this stuff?" And uh, Jared's like, "Oh yeah, it was Frank Santoro." It's an inside joke to people who uh, only listen to the YouTubes. And uh, he's like, "He's a big ride boy," and he made us a big ride intro. And I was like, "I like it. Damn right, like it a lot." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking uh, '80s. Distribution, uh, what's it called? Distribution logos on, right. on like yeah, yeah, yeah. VHS tapes. That was I, the idea. I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thank you. I but uh, let's find out if Roman Polanski nailed it in this Ooh. in this movie of his. So the synopsis from Letterboxd: mm-hmm. On their way to an afternoon on the lake, husband and wife Andre and Christina nearly run over a young hitchhiker. Inviting the young man onto the boat with them, Andre begins to subtly torment him. The hitchhiker responds by making overtures toward Christina. When the hitchhiker is accidentally knocked overboard, the husband's panic results in unexpected consequences. This Mm -hmm. was the first feature directed by Roman Polanski. Was it? (laughs) Sure, 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 pal. Okay, sorry, keep going. So, uh, mm-hmm. I've seen this movie before. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. I have. I do own this on DVD. It's one of those big, thick uh, double cases that they used to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I opened it up uh, just this weekend, I saw it had still my Barnes & Noble packing slip with what mm-hmm. the other movies I bought, which included uh, The Devil and Daniel Webster mm-hmm. and uh, Rules of the Game. That's weird, no? Or did you do that intentionally? I that was in 2013. Or actually, no, uh, the late 2012. So you just intentionally got spine 214, 215, 216, just and for the I, for the just, fuck just, of it, just for the fuck of it. And uh, general Idiamin data was also in that. <laughs> nice. I think uh, that was the real winner of that purchase. That's right. So uh, yeah. at, at the time, I was kind of on that, uh, you know filling in gaps of my Criterion collection. And, I mean, this is a pretty big uh, contribution, I guess, to the Criterion collection. It's the debut of Roman Polanski, a uh, Hmm. pretty well-regarded, well-known, infamous filmmaker. uh, Allegedly. Who's who's directed at least, well, I think he's actually a bit more than that. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. He's directed, like, at least two 
all-time classic movies of mine for me, uh, Chinatown, Macbeth, are incredible pieces of movie mm. making. So uh, Knife in the Water being his first, and you hear like kind of these uh, overtures of uh, Hitchcockness and uh, mm. Polanski's first stab at cinema, and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be a good show. Mm-hmm. So uh, my my question, I guess, after watching this now for a second time, because I did watch this for the first time uh, sometime in 2013, and I guess i liked it at the time i I rated it okay i didn't love it Mm -hmm. but i thought it was okay uh but it feels like it had been a really long time since i'd seen it last uh like i thought it had been over 10 years because i didn't really remember much about it just like broad strokes uh, a lot of lot of stuff on a boat and Mm -hmm. uh, a man and his wife and this like young guy and kind of shots of foreground and background lots of foreground shots Mm-hmm. And that was all I remembered. I couldn't remember anything else. I didn't know what the knife in the water meant. It was just gone. So I was watching this all over again. And yeah, I, I, I'm left wondering, it's like, what's this movie all about? Is, is this movie about, is this about metaphors? I don't know. Is, is that the plot of this ultimately? I so, don't know. I don't know. So we have this, this husband and wife. Uh, you, you don't really get to know them. They don't really play their hand until really late into the movie. It just seems like this guy's a dickhead, just in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, his wife is just, like, kind of there to, like, kind of, you know, serve him. She really doesn't have a lot of whole heck of a lot of personality for, like, mm-hmm. the, what, hour and 12 minutes until the knife in the water scene happens. And then, mm-hmm. the, then the tension rackets up. Um, and then, sure. the, then there's the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. who is like some shots he looks so old i don't know if it's like that i don't know if he lived outside a lot and he's got that fair hair and so he just looks like real real mm-hmm. old but other times he looks like definitely youthful like compared uh in comparison to andre but i don't know i don't know if I, how i feel about this movie at the at this point it, there's there's the, big, the, the the big struggle I have with this movie is it feels like it's going in two directions of like one of being like very realistic and kind of grounded in this sort of domestic drama, mm-hmm. but on the other side, and it, but it doesn't want to go over the top with like a uh, like to being like a a real over the top kind of cheesy thriller, but mm-hmm. the whole movie is like premise is like why would you hang out with this hitchhiker that you just picked up, like just tell him tell him to fuck off. <laughs> Jared, it's about male bonding. Haven't you seen Wild Hogs? This is the opposite of male bonding. Well, I mean, what about your common courtesy for men? Like this guy's like he's hitching, and you're you're a good Canadian boy. Would you ever pick up a hitcher? A... Never. What if they looked like Rutger Hauer? Definitely not Rutger Hauer. Hmm. Or Toby Canadian Ma- icon. Or, or uh, Toby McGuire in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Another Canadian icon. You can't question it. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I'm with you also because uh, when I was watching this, I was kind of like, are they going to take this guy with them? Well, and they, then they did. And I was like, okay. Right. What's next? So, okay. Why? why God. Yeah. I was more, I was, I don't know. I was thinking kind of from the, from the perspective of the hiker. Why did he choose to go with them? That's a good point too. Because he's bored, I guess. And, but he he had somewhere to go. Well, it sounded like he no, but did he though? Because it sounded like he was going to wander around 
and wait till they got back so he could continue getting a ride with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's an awkward situation, made more awkward by this the husband, this Andre's guy, who I guess like wants to prove a point. That it's a pissing that contest, he, that he's, Jared. It, it is a very extended pissing contest, I guess. Mm-hmm. But what's what's this movie about beyond that? So I guess not knowing anything about uh, Poland in 1962 and what where Rome Polanski's mind was at, I feel like there's like sort of you could maybe draw this connection of like uh, an older generation and their relationship mm-hmm. with a younger generation mm-hmm. and how they're like basically just like laughing at them and fucking around <laughs> with them. And uh, throwing him in the water, saying, "Oh, you can swim, you can swim." Like it's like that antagonistic kind of uh, patronizing, paternal mm-hmm. relationship. I guess a generation might be having with the the previous generation. Yeah, but is, is, yeah. And is that is that what this movie's going for? And if it is, is it successful? I mean, it seems like it, right? Like all the things that they do towards it, where it's like. <laughs> You, like the whole reason he brings him along he's like you big idiot he's like you don't know how to sail you like hiking hiking's for dummies he's like you're just a little kid who doesn't know how to sail and then he's like doesn't really look that hard he's like give it a try and then it just whips around and it's like yeah it's i'm sure there's more to it but i think you're right jared i think it is just an old guy making fun of a younger guy and he's like check out my my packs check them out he flexes a lot Look at my lady's bod. In more ways than one, too. It's not just all physical flexing. There's some mental flexing, too. He's playing fiddlesticks, and he's like, check it out. I'm good, and you're not. Yeah, I was, that that scene with the fiddlesticks really kind of bummed me out because we have such great board games now, and back then they just literally were throwing sticks on a table. You can still get that game. Oh, I know. It doesn't make it any better. What did they call it in this? Haystacks or something? I think so. Stick something? Stick sticks? We call them fiddle sticks. Do you ever fiddle with your sticks over there, Frank? Or uh, what board games do you like playing? I try not to fiddle with my stick. Uh, I've ever recommended for that here. So Good call. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go with uh, Uno. I like Uno. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a fair <laughs> call, too. Probably better than fiddle sticks. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so, Jared, what were you talking about? I was Something? just wondering, like, I'm trying to figure out, I guess, like, what this movie's about. Because it's, it's it feels very much like a play. It's very stripped sure. down. Uh, you only have three characters. Mm-hmm. I think there is no other characters, correct? There's no, you don't really even see anybody else. Like, they pull up on this, like, this road they, where the, da- the dad, the, the husband, he wants mm-hmm. to, like, just drive down this hitchhiker who he does not want to pick up. And he just keeps speeding toward him. He's like, and who's going to break? And it's a game of chicken. And then he doesn't, mm-hmm. but he doesn't break. And he veers off. He kind of embarrasses himself. And he's like, well, out of shame. All right, we'll mm-hmm. keep picking him up. And so the whole relationship is just this kind of, like, one-upsmanship, uh, coxmanship. Just the what? Of, uh, coxmanship. Okay. I just wanted to hear you repeat that. Keep going. Co- coxmanship. <clears throat> so anyway. The big C. Big mm-hmm. C the big C. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, I mean, I could hand it off to you guys. Cause again, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about this movie now. Uh, is, is this a tense movie? Did you feel the tension? Uh, is this the best representation, I guess, of a, a movie that is attempting to like be, uh, I don't know, present this re- like relationship of people who are like almost at each other's throats, throwing knives around casually? 
Um, and then mm. at the end, it kind of winds up being like this, like log driver's waltz scene. And then the movie just kind of winds down and ends. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Frank? Do you want to take it away or what? Mm. Yeah, let, let me give it a go. Um, I don't know. Okay, I, I watched it over two nights. So it might it might uh, do something about my review of the movie. So because so, honestly, the, the, so this cause huh? this is so this is only a ninety four minute long movie, and it took you two nights yeah. to watch it. it oh says yeah, something. And not because I was falling asleep either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't know. It, I got the first the first uh, night I watched I think around twenty six minutes, and then the second night I, I finished the movie. I don't know. It was just a decision I made that uh, I think might have consequences on how I feel about the movie now, looking back on it. Because uh, mm-hmm. honestly, the the throughout the, the the rest of the movie, I honestly didn't feel any tension at all. I just kind of I felt like it was kind of like lazing about these characters, uh, just being assholes to each other. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I didn't, even even when. Uh, the young guy got thrown into the water. I never felt, I think actually probably the most tense part for me that I can recall is probably when, when the wind picks up and, and the sailboat gets kind of uh, taken along and he's, he's all, the young guy's the only one on there and he's trying to direct it. Cause I, I wasn't sure whether he was trying to steal the boat or whether he was trying to get it back yeah. to them. It's, it's mm-hmm. ambiguous. And it's like, cause like that point you're kind of like, well, that'd be a kind of a scary situation. Like when you're out in the yeah. water, this guy's just, he's stealing your boat. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I thought that was building up to something, but, uh, no, <laughs> sadly, no. Um, honestly, other than that, I, I wasn't really into this like macho game of who's more man than me. And, and that kind of test, I, I don't know. It, it just felt kind of, kind of dumb. but i mean i guess in reality it happens all the time that's a real life situation especially i think in in families between brothers or between uh father son relationships even uh and so in a way i guess sometimes like i could relate like the thing about the game uh the the stick game or even the i don't know the 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 idea of like him getting pushed in the water despite him claiming he doesn't know how to swim and the guy saying yeah you know how to swim don't lie you know how to swim uh stuff like that is stuff that you see uh as, you know as you're growing up i can relate to it but in in a way i never felt like it was really really that close or even really that important i don't know i, I with this movie i think what i found is that it's not as interesting it's kind of a, a blank because at the end reading the the letterbox tag it says there's consequences, but towards the end, I don't feel like there really was, because uh, you know you don't get to really know the characters all that much. You you get to know what's presented in the movie and the time they're in, but other than that, there's no real stakes. I never felt like uh, it always. They always felt indifferent uh, with each other, the, the 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 husband and wife. So I never felt like there was anything really lost when when the reveal that she had an affair with a guy, which isn't even shown on screen. So oh yeah, they could have spiced it up, you know, and uh, they didn't. (laughs) People say we should spice up this podcast. Lots of sound bites, like with sound effects, like like 
pin whistle or pull whistles like woo. The the podcast switchboard. Mm-hmm. We could add some fart sounds. Uh, get a mariachi band. That's a that's a good idea. I have a sombrero. Should I pull that? Nice. Out? That's a good start. That's a good uh, start. Fr- Frank, what did you think of the uh, the jazzy score? Ooh. That's okay. I when talking about the movie made me forget about it, but that is probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Despite mm-hmm. it feeling like it should be in Taxi Driver or <laughs> even Chinatown, mm-hmm. <laughs> Seinfeld, yeah, yeah, I like the sound Seinfeld smooth jazz. Also, what about you, Jer? Well, Do you uh, like that smooth jazz. So, so, so the the score of this movie was composed by uh, Christoph Komoda. Cometa, mm-hmm. who also sure. worked on Rosemary's Baby, Fearless Vampire Killers, Cold, mm-hmm. Cool de Sac. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's very much of its era. It seems like this seemed mm-hmm. to be like this period of time you'd have these black and white movies that were trying to be a bit more contemporary and they would have that contemporary sound that only jazz can offer. But I just know sure. that I was more, this is more of a thing for, because I know how RJ sometimes feels about the sound of jazz. Hey, I like jazz. I just feel like a lot of people copy Seinfeld. Right. Even if it happens 30 years before Seinfeld, I feel right. like they still copy it. Right. When did this movie come out? 62. Yeah. See, I'm right. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I like jazz. And uh, I actually think it kind of, I think the jazz fits the tone of what they were trying to do with the movie with like these people that are kind of like, you know doing things and you can't predict what's going to happen next much like jazz jared experimental jazz you never know what's going to happen just right? like a, just like a podcast you never know what what's going to happen next someone going to walk in that door behind me is frank going to lose it who knows we don't know i hope not you could i wouldn't be mad at you man what else do you think frank or what else I, you well, got actually, i should i should actually ask you frank um because you were t- talking about coming back on the show after it's been a while since you've uh, last mm-hmm. been on. So why why was Knife in the Water your choice? Mm, good question. Okay. Um, <laughs> that is a good question. The last three movies I've been on, uh, what In the Mood for Love, um, mm-hmm. Royal Tenenbaums, and Band of Outsiders. So Band of Outsiders... I had said before that I wanted to kind of take a risk on, on one of these Criterion films because in the mood for Love, Royal Tenenbaums, I knew I loved, so it was kind of a cop-out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then, so Band of Outsiders was kind of a chance, but I knew I liked a few uh, Godard films, and even though I didn't especially love Band of Outsiders, I, I, I you know, it's, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. So Knife in the Water, I had I had recently watched uh, The Tenant, and yep. I've seen... Uh, I've seen The Pianist and I've seen Chinatown, uh, I think, in the last two years. So I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll, I'll check this one out. It, the, the name of the title is pretty cool, Life it in is. the Water. And, and uh, the, the Criterion uh, poster art is, like, awesome. I've always loved that uh, graphic. Mm-hmm. And then I like the idea of, of – uh, I'm a, I'm a very – I like the beach. I like uh, wash, uh, washing. I was going to say ocean and water, and I, I said washing, so now it's washing. I like washing. <laughs> and uh, there's something about like that kind of movement of a boat. I like – so the, the idea of, of them, uh, the characters being on a boat and all that, I found it interesting. I think uh, recently I watched uh, La Ventura, 
for anybody who's listening that has ever wanted to hear Michelangelo Antonioni's name said right, there you go. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty but, sure uh, I say it right all the time, man. Antonini. <laughs> Antonioni. Right? <laughs> yeah, so I recently watched La Ventura, <laughs> and I think the most interesting thing I... Because I had about the same reaction as you guys, but I think the first forty minutes or so, where they're on the, you know, on the boat or they're swimming in the in the water, there's something about that black and white like ocean movement. Though I, I wasn't sure watching Knife in the Water whether they were actually uh, in the ocean or if they were at a lake. It felt to me like they were at a lake. They were at a lake, yeah. But but the guy kept talking about being a sailor in the ocean and the sea and all this stuff. So I was I was confused. Mm. Yeah, um, but I, I guess that's really what attracted me to Knife in the Water, other than also wanting to return to the podcast okay. and maybe encouraging other fellow listeners to come back. Yeah, you guys. Or or to give it a go. Give it a go. You've always been a Even champion for like the, the cause. Even if you don't like the podcast. <laughs> you, even better. Give it a go. Yeah. I, I I would love for one of these people who leaves us negative comments all the time. You know what? If they they don't even have to do a full Patreon thing, I'll give them one minute, one minute to come on and explain why we're why we're wrong about a movie. Wrong about La Ventura. Yeah. And by the way, I'm opening this up, but I have absolutely zero control about this. So if you if you're interested, you can email uh, Jarrett and uh, ask him uh, if that's gonna fly. Yep. <laughs> Yep. I was yep. just like looking at my uh, history of Polanski and I see that like, I don't know, he doesn't really get good until Rosemary's Baby. Because even uh, the one movie of his too, by the way. is uh, Repulsion. Mm. People love Repulsion. And that yeah. is a movie that I think is actually just bad. But some people like it is their favorite. They absolutely, like, it works for them. But I I think it's a, not, not good at all. I think Repulsion's a little too on the nose, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's got a couple of good scenes, a couple of good shots, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and I love Catherine Deneuve, but poof. And Call the Sex, okay. Fearless Vampire Killers is just lame. That, that I don't know if uh, either of you have seen that yet, but yeah, mm-hmm. you, you don't need to. But yeah, Rosemary's Baby, Macbeth, Chinatown, uh, The Tenant. The Tenant to me is kind of like closer to uh, where I'd put Knife in the Water and Call the yeah. Sex. And then it's sort of after that kind of... Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of his 80s stuff at all. I tried watching Frantic, and that movie is uh, real boring. Uh, mm. But but his movie Carnage, which is based on a play, I think that movie's great. I don't remember liking that one very much, but that could just be me. I don't know. Do you I, know what I, I mean? It probably is you. It might be. Carnage? I think I'm more like the tenant, if I had to describe who I was. Or maybe I'm the ghostwriter. Maybe you're the Who ghost. Knows? Maybe you are the ghost rider. I could be the ghost rider. <laughs> I wish, man. Do you, could you imagine Roman Polanski's ghost rider? I could. I could imagine it. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, then again, he was in Rush Hour Three. You ever see that? Uh, Roman Polanski. Yeah. Oh. As an actor. Hey, how about Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood? Remember him in that? No. RJ, what did you think of Knife in the Water? Uh, you know what I think? So Frank kind of touched on this too. Like he was talking about the build up to a thing. I don't know if the ending is like very well craftedly subtle 
or at when I was watching it, I was kind of just like, I feel like they they goofed and there should have been more here and they didn't they didn't build it up enough because like there's all these things about I I really like the setup of kind of like what you said, Jarrett, where it's like people just in the water or I think uh, Frank was saying like when uh, it's just the hitchhiker in the boat. I like the ending where it's like they can't find him and you think he's dead. And then the husband goes out and then you see him swim back. And I was like, ooh, that's nice. That's good. Intense. I thought that's what we were in. Pulled up the page. I just saw like the first line of nine reviews, like tense psychological thriller. And I was like, "Uh, okay. Yeah. No, it's really not selling this movie properly. No, I don't. I don't think that's it at all. But uh, I thought that at that point there was the potential for that. And I was like, yeah, they could do a ton of stuff here. And I actually liked the way they go with it. I just, I feel like they don't do enough with it. Like there's a little setup with the wife, with the, uh, the adultery. And uh, like Frank said, it's off screen. And I think like leaving it ambiguous is fine. Uh, like that doesn't bother me as much, but uh, what comes afterwards when she's like, well, you know, I cheated on you with him. And he's like, no, you didn't. Don't be dumb. He's like, stupid. Don't be dumb, you idiot. And then uh, and then it's kind of like you're left with that thing where it's like, does he believe her or does she not? And it's I think I feel like that's what the movie's all coming to. And I think it's okay. I just it's uh there's something missing from it. Like it doesn't hit as well as it should, I think. And uh that's all for me. Uh I thought this movie was fine. I think you guys are um I'm not hearing a thing you're saying there, my friend. Nothing? Where did I cut out? I think you guys. Oh, uh, I was going to say, um, I think you guys are maybe a little bit more more critical of it uh, than I am. And uh, I don't think it's like great or anything like that. I thought it was fine. Uh, I don't think it's great either. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like they there's good setup to stuff. But then at the end of the day, it's kind of like, hmm. What really happened? Uh, because some of the problems you guys said. First off, why would you take a hitchhiker with you? Second off, if you were a hitchhiker, why would you just go on the boat? I know he said he he's like, can I come back tomorrow when the car's back? And they're like, well, I'll just come on the boat. But and like I know that's a setup to tons of movies and horrors, thrillers, whatever. Like The Hitcher with Rutger Hauer, where it's like, come on in, we'll trust you. Uh, but yeah, it's the movie is just a big pissing contest and uh like you guys said too it's it's kind of like siblings or like friend like friends even that are like one upping each other and i get that but uh i don't know it's uh the stakes don't ever really seem there it's kind of like all right three people hanging out playing fiddlesticks you have this guy who's either either 13 or 30 nobody knows so uh so let him do his thing you know what i mean jer i'm hearing you you know what I mean? Uh, I was going to say something else about the guy. Like, I don't know. He's just a miserable prick, eh? Zygmunt Malonovich? <laughs> yeah. And like the old guy. The whole time you're just like, yeah, maybe you should be like, your wife should leave you. I don't know. Probably. But. It's well deserved. But I mean, I, I am with him at the start when, uh, you know, he's driving. He sees that hitchhiker and he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going <laughs> to do it. Because you know what? Why? Why not? Nobody would ever know, right? 
Hey, Jared, edit this out because I don't want to incriminate myself for uh, anything that happens <laughs> in the future, okay? Um, okay. Nope. Uh, I don't know, Frank. Uh, do you think anything I, I, I was just kind of climbing on, on board from your guys' things, but uh, I thought you, think you made good points. It's, I think it's fine. I don't know. Like mentioning about build up there was something that that i i had like a little uh i wanted it to become something and it was when he climbed up the the sail to the very top i think this was the most interesting thing to me is i wanted him to jump into the water Mm -hmm. really bad because that's what i would have done if i climbed up there Mm -hmm. uh but no he just climbed down you're such a free spirit (laughs) but that's that's kind of that's what this movie like when I think about it, like because when I was watching it, I was like, "Yeah, this, this is fine." But looking back on it, it's just it was that it's him climbing up and then just sliding back down and not jumping. I don't think uh, Polanski jumped for it, you know. You're saying he didn't to, take the to med- be smart. <laughs> what was that, uh-huh. RJ? I said, did he not take <laughs> the metaphorical leap? No. Uh, no. And then uh, I think I did notice something that that could have made uh, the scene where where the the boy's falling into the water. There's one shot, actually maybe a few shots, if they hadn't shown uh, the young guy hanging on to the Bowie, and if they just showed him, they just cut to whenever, well, they wouldn't show him again, reintroduce him until after uh, the husband had left. I think that would have made for a more suspenseful uh, scene there. But I don't know. They they showed they showed him hanging on, so that just kind of ruined uh, any tension that could have been there. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of odd because I mean, the whole thing about him hiding—it's like, what is his motivation for hiding in that sequence? Because does he is he afraid for his life, or is he now like trying to hide and wait for his opportunity to come back if the husband leaves? Because there's like that bit at the earlier, like when he, uh, he kind of knows the husband's going to ask him to come onto the boat and he says that, but you don't know how much of it is like him guessing like him, Mm -hmm. because like, even though it's like, yeah, he knows that this, this guy's better at him than like a lot of things because he's older and just had more time to get good at those things. He also has a good idea of like how he's going to act in all these situations. And so maybe he's like waiting for his opportunity to, to strike but to but but, but to what end? To what end, <laughs> indeed. You know, and then when he does strike, it doesn't show. That's right. <laughs> they just cut away. It's like, what is this? <laughs> you know, okay, so the movie that I told RJ that he should watch, because uh, there, there is a uh, an American independent movie uh, mm-hmm. that's like, I guess, a remake of this called Catterskill Falls. Mm-hmm. Set in the Catskill Mountains from 2001, but like you can't find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Polanski had also been offered to make a English language um, remake with Henry Fonda, but uh, he was like, "What's the point? I already made a great movie." And uh, there mm-hmm. you go. He didn't make his uh, vanishing, I guess. But there is a movie that I think about a lot in reference to Knife in the Water that I think is a much better movie, even though it's like. I mean, it's a dumb movie, but Dead Calm, starring Sam Neill, Nicole Kidman, and Billy Zane. It's that movie is that's now that's a thriller and is super slick from 1989. It's Australian, mm. but oh, the opening of this movie is awesome. And uh, Billy Zane, he's he's like kind of like the the hitchhiker, I guess. But yeah, that movie is awesome. Everyone should check out it, Dead Calm. 
Billy Zane plays the wife, you said? <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes, I, I would have watched that too. It just it seems like it's uh unaccessible and uh unattainable even. Unattainable? Even by any legal means. Damn. Yeah, James Cameron knows. How about that dude's uh, log walking skills, though? How do you think we would fare? I think I would be fine. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, you just dance along. I'm super athletic, so. Yeah, it shows. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, Jared, but uh, when I was in grade eight, I got most valuable player of my football team. Yeah. So uh, you ever do the pharaoh to flex your muscles a little bit? Mm. Yeah, I'd be okay. Frank seems like he'd be okay too. But uh, what about you, Jared? Do you think you could no. walk on those oh, I'd, logs? I'd, I'd, I'd be dead. I'd be drowning underneath those logs. It's fine. <laughs> the podcast. I think if if was it Robin Williams who did it in uh, uh, Insomnia? Was it the no? Yeah, didn't he, was it he? He was running across the logs. Sure was. It's been a while since I've seen it. Said, yeah, see, I, so if Robin Williams could do it, you could probably do it. Oof, I don't know. Mm, Robin Williams was pretty fit too. It's, yeah. yeah, you just can't doubt yourself. You just gotta go because you, you, if you start looking down, then you're, you're gonna fucked. Hold on. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you you boys want to hear about who hates knife in the water? I don't know, Frank. Do you want to hear about some bad dudes? I'll and say do- sure, just because RJ usually says no. So okay. I'll grant you this one wish of yours, Jared. Okay. I say Thank yes. You. Thank you, Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, we have Darcy, one star. Nothing mm-hmm. I haven't seen before. Reminiscent of Lifeboat. What? <laughs> what? what, RJ? No, I was, you're like, nothing I haven't seen before. And I, I just said, what? <laughs> oh. What do you mean? Reminiscent of Lifeboat, Niagara, Lever to Heaven, The Talented Mr. Ripley, and The Lighthouse with a Non-Diegetic Taxi Driver Score. What? <laughs> what are you talking about, person? <laughs> uh, they gave Funny Games five stars, which uh, unequivocally is probably the worst movie. Am I right, Jarrett? Probably not. Probably the worst movie. They just watched all the Decalogues, so maybe they're listening to this podcast. But they just gave Hotel Monterey a half a star, which is a film that I've seen, Jarrett, from the Eclipse series. You know about Chantel Ackerman? I know about her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, they just gave the light uh, the lighthouse half a star, Jarrett. Oh my god. Jubilee a half a star? That oh, seems fine. That's fine. Dune half a star? Silence? Aguirre Wrath of God half a star? Oh Jesus Christ. Throne of Blood, half a star. Oh, Wild at Heart chimes at midnight. Get the f- get the, get the fuck out of here, Darcy. Whoever whoever recommended Letterbox to Darcy should apologize. I think. No. Let's see. Uh, their bio just says two stars. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Exactly. I don't know. All right. Next up, we have Alex Proft. Sure, we do. One star. Absolutely fucking mind numbing. <laughs> Tension my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean he's not totally wrong. Hey, guess what? One of uh, Alex Prost's favorite movies is Funny Games. What? The remake. Oh, well, I mean they're the same movie, so they are the same movie. Oh, get fucked! Five stars to <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Get out of here! 
Jason X, five stars. <laughs> Leprechaun 2, five stars. Funny Games, the original, and Funny Games, the remake, five stars. And this person and the last person both gave The Room five stars, which I know is ironic. But at the same time, it's like, don't just be whipping out five stars for irony's sake, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, Jer? You know what I mean, Jer? <sighs> he doesn't know. Finally, uh. Ben Lott, one star. Okay. This movie is like 90 minutes straight of two men having a penis measuring contest. That kind of thing is hard enough to watch in person, but I certainly don't want to sit through it on film. There isn't really logic to how people behave in Knife in the Water, and the blandness of all the things they do is hard to watch. When it got to the point of watching three grown-ups playing a game of pick-up sticks, I was about ready to throw in the towel. Then a few things happen in the climax that almost approach real drama, but it simply does nothing for me. I was so zoned out and bored at that point, I was ready for it all to end. The performances matched the blandness of the story and add nothing of interest for me. I was not invested in the relationships mm. between these people who all seem to barely tolerate each other, and the movie depends on you caring about them at least to some degree. Even as an exploration of how men measure their masculinity and maturity, Knife in the Water failed for me because the characters were so... Uh, were drawn so poorly they didn't seem like a proper representation of actual human behavior i would not recommend this movie to anyone you know what i wouldn't recommend it's almost like ben lott slammed that can down at the end of his statement you know what i wouldn't recommend anyone jared ben lott he says that he's interested in escapism in movies you see a lot of sci-fi and action movies in his favorites he tends to hate the artsy-fartsy nonsense some critics love. And he doesn't like horror. Being scared is not his idea of fun. So uh, Ben Watt gives five stars to Criterion movies, Marvel movies, and Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Ben Watt also gives half stars to movies like The Tree of Life, Primer, Boogie Nights, oh. Stalker, Kayan Sequatsi. The English Patient, Jarrett's favorite movie. <laughs> Batman v Superman, Frank's favorite movie. Brain Dead, The Holy Mountain, E2 Mamba Tambian, Once Upon a Time in America. Mulholland Drive, a half a star, Jarrett. Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive, a half a star. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you think anyone who... Uh, we give this treatment has listened to the podcast before just like unintentionally and haven't discovered it yet. Maybe they probably have given up long before they get to the end when we, <laughs> when we uh, tease them out. Oh, Likely. I'll say something about uh, this last one made me realize that even though I wasn't very invested in the characters, I did stay to watch the movie and I didn't ever feel like giving up. So that's a good mark, which I didn't say earlier, but yeah, I was, even though I didn't like the characters I was watching. I agree with you completely, and uh, even more contrary to this person, I thought the fiddlestick scene was probably one of the better scenes in the movie because mm-hmm. they were actually just talking to each other, which yeah. I liked. Well, that was yeah. sort of, and that was like the downgrade part too, where like kind of like they're like yeah. they've had a bunch of drama and rain and stuff like that, and now they're just cooling their heels and acting like regular yeah. human beings. Mm-hmm. Actually, the the scene about uh, the scene with with the girl singing and then him uh, saying a poem that that was pretty good. But yep. also, I, was, I just I just remembered while I was watching the movie the whole time I was wondering I, I was like I wonder how old this actress is because she looks older like she looks but at the same time she 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. She had like uh uh she looked she looked like she could be young, but she had older qualities to well, her. Well, I, I, I feel like I think uh, I think that was intentional though with her hair and makeup styles because there's points where she looks older than she is, and then as the movie mm-hmm. progresses, as she like is hanging out with the younger man more, you actually realize how much younger she is and more dynamic. Yeah, she takes her glasses off. Uh, she undoes her hair, lets it loose. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Was it the same? Was it the same lady talking the whole time? The same lady acting, or was it two different actresses? It's impossible to say. Impossible to say. Uh, but I am with you because at the start I was like, "This lady is really old," and then after she goes for a swim, gets her makeup and glasses off, I was like, "Hey, who's this babe?" <laughs> you, you know what I mean? They don't know. Whatever. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Ah. Uh, we got any final thoughts here on this knife in the water? Should it should it have stayed in the water? What do you think, Frank? You're uh you're the big ride boy. Let's uh let's hear it. Mm, I think it, it it'll it'll stay in the water, but it can float through the surface if, if it ever feels like. I don't know what that means, but that's what I said. So some buoyancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's tough, but fair. What about you, Jared? Do you have any last words on a uh, knife in the water? Uh, no. <laughs> Here's some last words for you. What did Polanski do again? Was he a raper or what did he do? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> now you ask that question? <laughs> oh. Well. <laughs> well, you can check out a documentary called Wanted and Desired. Okay. And you can find he, out all did... about, you know, I'll find out about him uh, and what he did in a uh, jacuzzi with a, like, 13 or 14 year old girl okay my my last question would be was Uh, it like a woody allen situation or was it no it wasn't like a woody allen situation uh there was and there was also uh i believe sodomy was uh brought up but was it in like the classical sense or uh i don't know uh time will tell yep time will tell big if true i guess after the break RJ is going to go to Wikipedia and learn about what, what's the deal with Roman Polanski. <laughs> Who's this Roman Polanski guy? He sounds crazy. What's his deal? Is he single? RJ, have you ever been a young man hitchhiking and then getting on a boat with, like, an older man and his wife and had an exchange? 
There was that one time with you, but I don't know if that counts as uh, hitchhiking more as abduction and exchange more as polanskiing is what I think they call it. Podcasting. Podcasting, whatever that means. Yep. <laughs> well, you can email us at criterioncrease at gmail.com and tell us sure about podcasting. Yeah. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. And Frank, I mean, if you look up Frank Solano, a.k.a. Frank Slide, a.k.a. Frank Zagrafino, a.k.a. Frank Santoro. Santoro. Uh, I'm sure you'll find him in one of those places. Mono, mm-hmm. mono underscore kid, I think, is also in there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Check all, subscribe to all of them, maybe. And, and, and maybe he'll even subscribe to you. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, nah. I, nah, iTunes, <laughs> Google Play, all that jazz, just mm-hmm. like in Life mm-hmm. in the Water. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks, Frank, for joining us. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Frank. Next week. I do have one request, but I'll, oh. I'll, I'll say oh. it after. Okay. Oh, and, and, and next week, it'll be just RJ and me, stink the stinky twosome, with... Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Spine okay, 216 RJ Jean Renoir's Rules of the Game 1939 Jack Renoir? Is that that Grand Illusion guy? That's right, he's back Oh yeah Alright, whatever Whatever, it's, it's, a, whatever. it's about manners In class if It's you about like, man hers? It's about like, if you like Parasite You'll love Rules of the Game Oh it's about upstairs and downstairs and shit. Just like Downton Abbey. Like this elevator only goes down and someone made an awful mess down there. You know that one? You got a request there, Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we could just end the show tonight with uh, RJ rubbing his mustachio on the <laughs> on the mic. You want me to rub it on the mic? Uh-huh. I just came up with that now and uh, <laughs> it said so. You've got to do it. All right, I'm moving the boom mic for this, this and is I'll just... for all you creepers out there. This is what you wanted, right? I, I don't know. So. I don't know what this sounds like. Is this what you wanted? Are you happy? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Did it work? Oh, it Perfect. worked. Okay. My deed is done. <laughs>